All right, welcome to episode six of It's Server Time. And before we get into things, I gotta plug the Patreon. So if you guys wanna submit questions to us here, on its server time. Be sure to donate there and uh, maybe join the MDL tier. Very good tier to join. I think that's a $10 one. And we're going to be reading a question from that tier today, actually, halfway through the podcast. So be sure to stay tuned. And also, we have gone live on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and Stitcher. I didn't even know that was a thing, but we're on there as well. So you can listen to us on all of those platforms. But here we are with our guest of the week. It is Thorin. You may know him from his broadcast work for the Prague Challenge in CSGO for 2013. That was a really <laughs> great tournament with Anders, of course. I mean, anything uh, anything you remember from that one, Thorne? Yeah. I, I'm, you say it like a joke, mate, but I already have anecdotes I could give you, even though you didn't prepare me for it. So, for example, that was a tournament where this this is actually a piece of trivia at Straight Fire, mate. Even though Na'Vi went to that tournament with their 1.6 lineup, which at the time, by the way, was like considered number two or number three in the world, they didn't win that tournament, and the team that beat them was a mixed team with that dickhead overdrive from the Russian scene, who just is a guy who like has money and he pays people to play with him famously. And so he brought along Kenny S and Apex. Oh, it's by that the way, team. Kenny that's S right spoke on. zero English at the time, and then they had Neo and Taz in the same team, and they were obviously like speaking Polish. And in the map, they would literally just like separate into like two man units, and obviously the overdrive guy's job was just die less and trying to be <laughs> shit. And then, I'm not joking, like Apex, Kenny S and Neo basically fragged everyone's head off. And they, they actually won the, like a fucking best of three. It was mental. So <laughs> that actually is a pretty sick like one-off tournament in history. So yeah, Overdrive has to be 1.6 Navi in a best of three. Wow, what a what a in game. Alright, well, uh, if you guys are somehow unfamiliar with Orin, I don't know how that would be possible. He is, of course, the esports historian and is really known for a lot of his other broadcast talent work, has worked a couple of majors at this point, and of course is one of the primary figures on Flashpoint. And actually, most recently, you were just announced as a consultant for Guild Esports. you want to actually regale us with what that entails? I mean, I can already tell, like, people just don't read in the modern day, you know? It's like they just see images and they just go, I'll remember a couple of the letters in that sentence and just go... Thorin, like, GM of Guild. Exactly. Like, <laughs> people have already acted, like, essentially, like, I've just been given, like, you know, the fucking bankroll of, like, the fucking Kansas City Chiefs and, like, I'm actually building the team, like, personally. Like, whoever I did, whoever they pick is, like, you know, I think the best player in the world. Like, people have already gone way too far. Essentially, like, it says I'm a consultant, so what will happen is... They're at, they haven't even started yet, but the idea is... They're presumably going to hire the GM and the coach, and then you'll start to get the players. So it'll be more like you think of a consultant, like you come to me on HSU, what do you think of this angle or who would you recommend? I hope that I can have a large input. Like, for example, the number one thing I would hope I could accomplish there is get a really good GM into the team because I actually think that's the area where the majority of esports orgs are fucking terrible right now. Like, the people who are the GMs right now don't even meet the basic criteria of the role. Like, they don't know who's available. They don't know what people's contracts are. They don't even know how to contract any players. Like, they, they, they don't even know, like, the basics of what you think because, basically, GM at the moment is just, like, glorified manager. That's what it should be called. Like, it's just a guy who's, like, above the other managers and usually doesn't even have any speciality in CSGO necessarily enough. Or if they did, they used to literally be the manager who got the waters and booked the flights. So at the moment, like, that's the area in esports for me, kind of like with the Flashpoint stuff, where it's like if people are going to spend millions and lose millions running a team, it's time to have a dedicated guy whose job it is, like Henry, to carry the can, where if that lineup's bad, you don't just fire the players, you fire that guy as well. Like you can bring a new guy in because I look around the scene and I think of some of the really great coaches 
some of them are amazing coaches, but it's about time some of them were building the teams as well. Like I, I think, I mean, Kassad could have done it. There's a whole bunch of people in the scene that already have the experience where it's like it would be appropriate for them to do it. So as players move into the coaching roles, I hope we can get the the, the really good coaches into the GM roles and we'll have a real sport in that sense. And one thing I think would be cool, this ties into it, is I want to have a sport where if we, if, he, if CSGO or some other iteration of it lasts like 10 more years, I think it'd be cool if people could actually be lifers in the game and just just like they would have basketball or something, you know, you don't just quit because you've got being a player. If you want to keep going, there's other avenues you can pursue. So I don't yet know what's going to happen with this one. I will say, though, from the outside, like I, I can be transparent all this shit, man. It's the way I live my life. I'm going to push heavily for this team to spend loads of money, of course. Like I, That's another thing. There's another reason why we've got to get these bad GMs out. Because even the people who on paper have competence, I'll tell you right now, here's what happens. They go, oh, good job in an org and I've getting paid well. They just say yes to whatever their boss says. So when their boss is like, oh, I just want to buy a cheap roster, like, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 whatever you say. So it's like, no, your job, your responsibility is to actually get them the right one. Like you should look at where they're coming in. Like, let's be real. Just look at orgs like Envy. Their lineup is fucking garbage, mate. That's a disgrace to be on an org like Envy and represent yourself with a team like that. Like that team would have to literally like, like 10X their potential before they'd even be appropriate for that org. Like, Something's wrong fundamentally in your structure if that's the team you're putting out. So you can see already. <laughs> like, like, it's I'm, in the right I'm not coming though. in to have a fucking MDL team like the last Cloud9 lineup. We're coming in to actually do something for real if, if you're listening <laughs> to me. <laughs> it still blows my mind how many lineups, like even now, are still like controlled by like just like the players and coach like all by itself. And it's like almost all of them, basically. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't understand how teams still do that. It's just like I don't see how you're ever gonna get like one clear vision or like one clear set lineup or roster it just always inevitably is just going to end up in a mess so oh, yeah, envy is a great example of that it feels like <laughs> it's been controlled by nifty for an eternity honestly <laughs> and they still haven't come to the end of like figuring out that that might be part of the equation you know they're still just like we're nifty in the next slide but it's like well if you say so mate yeah i guess yeah, yeah. At, at this point the logo logo for envy the giant n is just it just stands for nifty at this point in all honesty mate, that's like if an alien at the end they intentionally left the planet with the fucking alien on board like oh well i know well, all, our team, all our crewmates are just dead but i better get that bring this anamorph on bring that right i tell you what we'll escape that planet we don't want everyone else dying or anything like fucking hell mate think it through who do you think is killing the team and we got right. the episode title nifty envy's alien there you go <laughs> that's the pod well, title already exactly. the problem is the xenomorph obviously actually became like a superior version of the life forms it consumed you know so not sure the analogy works entirely yeah i'm not sure if he's <laughs> taking it the best parts of them and actually like improving himself or anything <laughs> other than maybe their salaries that's it but because you know by the way i'll just say this in case people don't know in the nac it's not that anyone has any ill will towards Nifty. It's just he's not a very good player in the survey. Clearly hasn't proven himself to be a very good in-game leader. And the whole reason he basically skates by is because it... I know people say this about everyone, but it's not true. He actually is a really cool guy. But that has fuck all to do with, like, sports or, like, competitive discipline. So, to me, like, I find that's an example of how you got to have proper GMs. Because you can't have the people in the team because they're nice guys. Like, invite them to the party when you fucking win. Have a beer with them. Like, don't, then you're never going to be, a, there's never going to be a championship party if they're in the team, is there? <laughs> right. Uh, let's, let's talk about a team that maybe is actually moving in some positive direction here. MIBR. Uh, this was a surprising showing at Blast. We'll say that. They beat Furia. They took maps off of Astralis and G2. Uh, so really good opening showing for them here in their group. And they didn't actually make it to the 
finals, the Blash finals, but they will be competing at the showdown. So I guess because right now MIBR have this like 250th in the world ranking, just because simply the HLT rating hasn't updated yet, where would you guys put them? Uh, I have no idea personally, like exactly where. I will say though, like I've definitely, I'd probably put them like maybe top 30, top 20 around there, but I was just kind of impressed like how they came in and played. Although I wasn't, I'll say, I, I don't think I was actually too surprised because I think it's a pretty like deadly combination between like, it's a lineup that doesn't have like super high expectations going into it. They're, they all seem to be getting along. They all seem to have pretty good chemistry at the moment from scrimming them or just playing in games. So they all seem to be like on the same page. There's not like a lot of pressure there. And I think there's a fair amount of, of skill still. So overall combined, I wasn't too surprised, I'd say, with how they played. I expected them to come out. Actually, I don't think they... I didn't expect them to beat MI be, expect them to beat Furia and play G2 so close, certainly, but I wasn't surprised they didn't come out and just get like slaughtered or anything. I would put them in like the top 25-ish area. They honestly like they really impressed me. They look like a team that had been boot camping for like a month almost with the amount of like structure they had going into some of these matches. Uh with KNG not having that much experience as an in-game leader, like the the way they approach some of these matches is honestly like they did really well for for the amount of time that they probably had with all of these players. Yeah, I'm definitely curious, like, if we play them in Flashpoint, they're one of the teams that I want to see, like, kind of how do they develop as it goes along, like, as more teams get demos on them and kind of get more used to playing them and their general play style and all their players, um, seeing if they actually can keep up and keep that same momentum or if it's more of, like, a kind of like, a, I kind of forget the word, but, you know, kind of like a one-off. I think people are like riding this hype train way too hard. Like, first of yeah. all, like consider you're already in the first three series using that logic of like, but they didn't get completely smashed in the two losses. Like, fuck me. Your massive breakout is winning one series. What? Like, so you're just cool with like, like that, that's that's fucking whoa, look at the PK. Then add in this quality. Like, first of all, before we get into MIBR, look at the group they're in. So Astralis, brand new lineup, because they've only just brought Zipmix back. So that lineup didn't play. That isn't the Astralis that won ESL Pro League season 12. Like one of those players in is in like fucking Mix's team. Then you've got <laughs> G2 just added Nico. Yeah, he was banging out, but that's again new lineup. So two of the three lineups are already like themselves, not what their name tells you they are. The third lineup is Furia. Everyone knows, like inter-regional matchup, intra-regional matchups rather, are always a clusterfuck. And also about and, one, I think yeah. MIBR has been in Europe longer than Furia has. Would make sense. Yeah, yeah. so I, I'm, that, that would definitely help, like being more ingrained in like the practice already and like the certain teams. I think would definitely give MIBR a big edge there. And then you look at the actual players on MIBR. Not only has this lineup and no variant of it ever played an official match, so you have absolutely dick to go and actually study. And I guarantee you, nobody wasted any time looking up anything to do with these players. They just went in the server, or they played them in a scrim, maybe, and that's it. And then you look at the players, like unless you are Furia, which is why it's actually kind of sad that they're the ones that lost to them. You have no way to know how good these players are. Like, like the VSM guy, how the fuck's any European player going to know what he's going to do? Like, in that scenario, that is essentially the ultimate black box scenario for you to potentially lose a game or lose a map to this team. You wouldn't even know what to beat you against them. It's like actually pretty nuts. So it's not that I'm hating on him. It's just that like, I could easily see a world where like this is this the peak and then in Flashpoint 2 with lesser teams, you get banged. Like, who knows? So I will say like the eye test, yeah, a couple of players looked good. And I was actually 
somewhat, if you look at the context that I'm pretty much sure everyone who isn't in MIBR just thought this was a cynical move to just put five human beings into chairs to play in Flashpoint 2 because you've already paid all that money. Like, that's what it looked like from the outside. So the idea that maybe it isn't that and they're actually practicing probably, that's cool. But I don't, you know, I'm a long way from even knowing if this should be the MIBR team. So I'll, I'll as usual, I'll be the one that tempers expectations a little bit. Yeah, I, I think I mean more. It's like they're all like kind of like stand-ins. Like I don't think any of them really expected to be here. Like even two months ago, like in Europe, playing Blast and Flashpoint. So it's probably like a little bit less pressure on the players themselves in terms of like you know going and playing and practicing and you know it probably creates a better overall environment for like the kind of short term, the kind of the next like month or two. I think they hit a really good kind of honeymoon period right now, though, where you can tell that because these players are on trial. Uh, they're they're going to be playing harder. They're going to be like grinding way harder. They're going to probably look at demos themselves. This is probably the form of the players right now is almost probably the best form you will ever get from some of these players because one, they're so they're unknown quantities when they're facing off against European competition. So people don't know their tendencies, and two, they are going to be putting in extra work because they want that full time MIBR salary. They want to make it to the real team. They want to actually get onto what may be a top 30 team in my opinion right now i would say this is probably like the 27th best team or something in the world but like that's it's kind of a loose landscape right now but i uh i I guess from that that since that is going to be all we have to go off of when they enter flashpoint where do we see them ending up because i think before it could have been like if we didn't know anything it would have been like "Ah, maybe last place but now that we saw them play against some teams there's a little bit on one hand, there's a lot of there's a bit of research that people can put into this team, but on the other hand, they have proven that they can at least hold their own in some respects against some pretty solid competition. For me and them in Flashpoint, like kind of the main thing I'm looking at them to do is be kind of like a spoiler for some of the bigger teams. I think that's a team that is very dangerous to play against still, even if you have demos on them. Um, so that's kind of like what I'm looking for them to do: play spoiler, kind of like maybe like fuck up the bracket for like a an OG or like a fanatic, like a VP, one of those teams. But I don't think they'll like go on like a deep playoff run or make finals like they did last time or anything. Thorin, do eight teams still make playoffs in Flashpoint this season? No, uh, I think, tw- uh, let me think. I think 10 make, 10 make it, is that correct? I think it's all but four. So I think it is eight. I think so it's eight, eight teams make it. Yeah. Okay, in that case, I don't, I don't see them making playoffs. And the key thing is, it's obviously two from each of the three groups, but then the other two come from like sort of like a last chance thing of all the third place. So it's actually, there's another thing. It's actually really hard to not make playoffs. You basically have to lose like three series or something. So like, I would say they're borderline to even make that because actually the area yeah. people keep forgetting with Flashpoint is because it's online. That means even the teams that in your brain you wrote off like Virtus Pro Fours, like, mate, online, if you don't know those teams, they'll, they'll slap you upside the head like online, like of course. Mm-hmm. So, I think actually, like at the bottom end, they could come last place. It's not unreasonable. By the way, I, mean, I will just gonna... say as well, just for hilarity purposes, the one angle that no one called out because everyone's just a mad pussy in couch. Like, you're, just, you're all just scared that he'll actually kill you. I'm not. I just fucking go to the event. Like, what's he going to do? Actually, murder me in real life? Like, why? <laughs> why is KNG in this team and everyone just said nothing? Like, remember when the reason Fallen isn't in the team, right? It's because he was sort of like, oh, I'm going to stand with my butt. This is a disgrace that you would remove them. So then KNG did the same thing, sort of like. Listen, man, I ride or die with my homies. And it's like, it's like at the end of the month, he must have been like, excuse me, Mr. MIBR guy, why do I not have the money in my account? They're like, oh, we just pay that salary to uh, active players. He's like, oh, shit, guys. Um, actually, I have to play for them again. Like, give me a break. <laughs> you, can't, you can't be like a stand-up man. Bro. And then it's like, oh, but what about 
what about getting money still? Yeah, good point, actually. Fuck y'all. Like, <laughs> is that? Why has no one mentioned that? Not a single podcast in the world. <laughs> I don't know. I think, the, I think the angle everyone's missing is that you guys are saying nobody has demos to study MIBR off of, but Force has all those scrim demos that you need. <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, we went there. All right. All right. Um, okay. Looking... Just like one last note on this MIBR team. Okay, so we've seen a couple of these players. I think the most unknown were probably Leo Drunky and VSM. But are those really the players that are jumping out for you guys? Or who who right now is actually impressing? Uh, For me, it's still mostly just like KNG's kind of up and down. He's, you know, he's doing fine. TRK, I think, is doing well. I think he's doing better in like a comfortable environment. It seems like on their T sides, it's kind of set up around that kind of like trio of uh, VSM, KNG, and TRK. And then it seems more like on CT sides, it's actually more Lucas, who's more playing like a lot of like the rotator spots. So he's actually been kind of disappointing so far in terms of that for the spots mm-hmm. he's playing. Yeah, so for like way, overall... I'm yeah. oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, you're good. Are we all just going to ignore that as well? That magically, when Fallen, who everyone here probably fucking prays to every night, a little shrine <laughs> that has like 2016 written on it or something. We're all just going <laughs> to pretend that we're going to ignore that the second he exits the team, the TRK guy just gets like three times better, which, oh, which so is what his form was before. Is it, what a joke this is. Like, dude, that's the sickest thing about what those guys did in MIBR, is they did what the old NIP players did. It's like by you taking all the good positions, but bringing in these new talents, but putting them in the ship. It's like you're like some evil vampire just feeding off their life force. And then you're like, right, he's just a fucking used up husk. Just toss him out to the wolves. Because the best example ever, I've always said this is, if you ever were to do an interview with Fallen, the way you'd just crack him instantly is you just go, okay, then explain to me how Phelps only sucks when he's on the same server wearing a tag that you've got on, mate. Because the second he takes that tag off, he's straight banging again. Like, what is this shit? Like, if you're a great in-game leader, remember that shit they always say in basketball? It's not even true, but it's just a whack narrative, isn't it? Like, the MVP's the one who makes the players around him better. Well, then Fallen fucking, you get like a D-grade for that, mate. Like, you're terrible. I'm still waiting for the day we see Phelps on like an actual good team and like Dude. an actual good role. Give me one give me day, maybe Phelps, Bolts, Mayern, TRK, KNG, or something. At this point, just give me that lineup. <laughs> terrible lineup. That would be uh, a sick Bolling. MIBR lineup, honestly. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, the- are we also just going to pretend like, like, is it true that KNG is the IGL? Yeah, yeah, he uh, is apparently. Yeah. And you're just gonna so. ride with that, like, oh, might work out. Well, like, are you fucking kidding? No. Me? Okay, <laughs> I feel like I, feel I think like it's what's... good for like a little loose thing. Well, like, he really like, is that what I see. B meme. He's like, first we go A, trick them. Actually, we go B. Like, he's on, he's on some of that shit. Like, there's no way he's doing real strats. Come on. I will, I'll I will, I will, I will give them credit for their T sides from what yeah, I see so yeah. far. They actually do are pretty much playing together most of the time. Like, they they're not like you know doing shit by themselves and just trying to make like hero plays all the time like yeah, it seems like plan. for the most part they're you know they're playing together they're like doing things together like there's like some sort of plan there together so i'll give him like some credit for it i think he's doing like an, an all right job yeah i think actually in mid-round situations they do a really good job recognizing okay what are actually our opportunities in this round okay like nuke they've broken that map down several times now so i know it's not just luck it's not just luck okay. that they're finding the openings in sometimes the opponent's defenses that being said, I don't know what the hell is going on on their CT side. I feel like their CT sides have been just really bad all across the board. But on their T sides, like, they can slow around down and make the right call a lot of the time now, I've noticed. Yeah, I think having VSM with sort of... He's a good individual player, so, like, a lot of the decisions that they make mid-round can come down to, to just their individual players knowing how to play those situations, and it seems like they have some more freedom there. But, like... 
once they have more material that teams can look at, I don't know how long that's going to remain consistent, right? Like a lot of these, a lot of the strats, like even on Nuke against uh, against G two, I think they were getting called out on some of their late rounds or against Astralis. Sorry, mm-hmm. they like Astralis was just holding nades, and there's K and G, and I think TRK sitting like top silo holding mollies until like twenty seconds left in the round. They just got demolished on some of those rounds. All the same, though, can we just point out how hilarious it is that, like, KNG IGL apparently just cracked Nuke, like, fucking first try. (laughs) Fallen. Yeah. Four years, dude. Even is. Yeah, I know. It's like, what is this shit, dude? (laughs) Yeah, I'd say right now their good maps are are Nuke and Vertigo, and then their Dust 2, I I couldn't, I really couldn't 100% tell if that's, like, actually great for them, or they're just kind of making the standard dust two plays and it's working for them because you know everyone can kind of play that map to an extent but let's move over to furia here so they except bottom- furia, like huh? you said yeah everyone can play that map except furia except furia yeah let's move to, let's move to the uh the team that bottomed out here of group c furia uh just kind of went the same road of eg i guess and didn't really put up too much of a fight i mean they did against mibr i'll say that but it was definitely a disappointing showing for them against g2 and I guess, what would you guys attribute to their lack of success here? I I um, want to bring up, before we get into this, just, I think the lack of a, co- at least from the player yeah. camps, I know this is like, it really feels like their emotions are not in control right now. Like, the frustration on their faces, and also I noticed they were getting a lot of technical issues too, and it felt like they really could never center themselves. But if you guys have other uh, tactical reasons, just... Go at it. I, I think the fact that they're missing Gary is actually a major hindrance to them because Gary anchors those players so well, like whether it be tactically, but even like keeping Art in check. The amount of times I saw Art like dropping his camera from smashing his yeah. table in that series was nuts. Like, and I've talked to Gary a couple of times in person. He's like, he's a very, very like calculated, logical guy who like does a very good job at anchoring those those players in emotionally. And that's what he did when they when they moved here two years ago. Like so without him, it's like you can really tell that they struggle to to sort of stay um, stay put together on the server at times against like close matches, especially. Like the big problem for me is like Art played like absolute shit at this entire tournament, and like even though like I, I don't know still with that player whether he should actually be like considered a star player because for me the star players in this team is Yuri and Kesarat. Or clearly, if you want to like they, like you could put them in any other team and they'd be really good players as well. But the thing is, Art is like the he's the player who seems to have the the most influence on how the others play, and I think he has to pretty much play well for them to be good, which is ridiculous because he did it basically all year long. But he looked actually terrible in this tournament. So I think what you see is when his game is off, like they don't actually have that lot aside from just a couple of skilled players. Like what do they have? Like their entire style is based on that guy. Yeah, kind of like oh, I'm still waiting to see like more from MMBR. I still want to see EG and Furia both play some more before I like really give them out, like just not see how they're actually doing against European teams. Because it feels like with both teams, I didn't really get that good of a sample size or get to watch them that much. So not like the greatest for showing for them but i still want to see how they perform in like the next blast and like the dreamhack stuff as well and see just kind of how their stint goes overall yeah i want to just kind of bring it to the the fact that the practice quality i i feel like when you're in na you just get weaker it's like when you're uh an astronaut and you come back to earth and your just muscles are all fatigued or just atrophied and it's probably like that when you get to europe you're like oh okay everyone in the server that we're playing against is good now because realistically speaking there weren't really any good teams for furia all year to practice against other than eg and after a while it just felt like furia had their number 
and they really probably rested on their laurels to an extent. I think that and the combination of them just just not having a coach and not having that centered approach where it feels like they can if they were tilting one round that sometimes seemed to continue into the next just like or maybe that's just art style of play though i i can't necessarily tell because he maybe just wants to run another aggressive play even though the last one just failed but sometimes you do have to reel it back in at times so the number of advantage situations they gave away during those series is just nuts as well like art did yeah. get some opening frags but then they were they're in like 4v2s and they just lost it because they're so not used to being exploited and teams actually like trying to recover from those situations and again that's like a north america versus europe thing like these teams won't exploit those gaps in north america whereas europe like they're gonna win those rounds if you give them the space and that's what Furio is doing yeah. yeah that was the point i was gonna make basically i actually think the north american playing style is like perfect for Furio. like they love to just have brawls all the time and that's exactly what all those teams are going to play into because that's how they play in north america anyway like there's very few teams actually want to like slow rounds down, like use position against you, like actually have like reads on what you get. Like people just like to just, they just like to have gunfights in it. So as a result, if Art's going off on his game, I don't think people even try to shut him down. They're just like, oh, but whatever. Like we're just going to, like any teams even do it in interviews, dude. To this day, they still say that dumbass shit where they go, we're just focusing on ourselves. It's like, listen, dumb fuck, everyone's doing that. that. Oh my you God. Focus <laughs> on the other team and yourself. Bonehead, like that's the most you, triggering thing. Do you, you think Astralis just only sits watching demos of the other team and then goes, How are you gonna play? Well, shut the fuck up. We're listening to the court. No, you do both. That's like you haven't even got past level one. It's like the course words and seems for me is like play our own game. Just, <laughs> I just I just hate that. It's like why no, you you still have to like take into account everything the other team's doing too. I mean it doesn't mean you don't just like people just take it the wrong way, it's actually the same. But um but also speaking to the practice quality on versus EU, I can tell you just from like scheduling scrims, like it's actually insane, just like the amount of teams in Europe that you have and options to scrim versus NA. Like, and NA, uh, just kind of scheduling with like the same like six people, pretty much. You know, trying to fill out whole weeks and months just playing the same like six or seven teams. And in EU, it's like there's literally just dozens and dozens of teams that are all going to be like at least capable and like competent and you know decent practice. It just makes such a huge difference just having just the options and like the depth of European practice. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about the winner of the group, G2. Uh, so far, I would say that Nico has been a pretty solid fit. I, I like that Nexus still gets all of his positions because he's been really doing well for them. I almost feel like the only reason G2 didn't just wipe the, like, just completely clean out this group is because Kenny S was having a pretty off uh couple series here he he was having he was actually really struggling individually but in terms of tactics it wasn't like they really like broke anything open it didn't look like they were doing anything completely new but you can tell that the extra firepower from nico especially in just like late round situations just 2v3s 2v4s him and hunter like the clutch i think the most iconic one was the one where it was him and hunter and then blast showed the comms or released them that they were speaking in uh, I guess Serbian. I, I'm not. I'm not sure which language it was, but some some other language. And the fact that they just had total uh, coordination, and they were they were saying so much in those clutches. Like, this is just a good look for G2 for me. Yeah, actually, on their their T side, I think they mostly say the same. But their CT sides, they've actually changed spots a lot. So like Nexa on like Dust Two is like the pit anchor now. When he goes playing, or like he's like he moved from like outside to outside to ramp. Nexa did on Nuke. Mm. And actually, that's actually one area that I've noticed Nico still struggling, like as a player. Like I noticed he was struggling outside and yard on nuke on phase as well. And watching him on nuke, it doesn't really seem like he's 
fully like fixed out even with this team. It doesn't really seem like he's like comfortable right. and like all there. So I don't really know what's going on with there. Like in the light, he's kind of still struggling on Nuke and finding his form there. But as soon as like Nico starts really finding his form in Yard and now they have like next to that ramp, like that Nuke CT side is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I think they said they only managed to practice Nuke once. Uh, they had like three days of practice and they only scrimmed it once. So you get no train. Also- they said they only got to practice train once. Was it train? Okay. Yeah, I- in the in the post game interview, at least if that's what you're okay, referring okay. to. Yeah. Yeah, that might be it then. Uh, but yeah, they they they'll take some time to fit in. But like in general, they looked they looked pretty good. I like the idea that uh, Hunter and Nexa can communicate in their native language, and then there's also uh, Kenny S and Aminek communicating in French when it's just them left. Uh, Kenny really shot the bed this tournament. Honestly, like he he did not play well at all. So I think I I don't see him consistently having that low that low performance. So I think G2 will be able to like maintain some level of form going into further tournaments. Um, it is a bit interesting that Oppers just don't seem to play well on Nico teams. Like there's Brokey who plays really far back on phase and guardian was also struggling back on phase. Like it's, I'm wondering if this is starting to be like a thing with Nico being on teams and them just struggling with having Oppers trying to play well. I curious if it's like, so Kenny before was playing with Nexa like on Yard and Dust2, and so now he's gone from playing with Nexa at all spots to playing with Nico. Yeah. So I wonder how much different that is playing those spots with Nexa kind of calling the shots and kind of Kenny S having to play around him, and how it is playing around Nico and how much like how different Nico and Nexa kind of play those spots and compared to compared to Kenny might be a big transition for Kenny if Nico's like if Nico wants to have like a lot more stay and wants to have like a lot more control of how things are going. Yeah, the thing with this team for me is like Nico and Hunter already look fire. Like they were obviously both good even before this lineup was made. But to me, what's the point in having this team if Kenny S isn't really good? So like the idea that he can just be like back in the pack and it's like, oh, well, you'll figure that out. You know, you'll th- no, like the whole point of having a primary opera as good as him, because he's never going to do the supportive op style, is he? He's always going to be someone where basically he has to be a massive fragger. Like if they can get that shit sorted out, so I'm putting that by the way, not even on Nico, it's mainly on Malik as far as I'm concerned. Like, he's the boy who's masterminding the team. If you can get that online though like what a fucking trio you would have there like that would be ins- yeah, insane like, next, at, next at that point doesn't have to pop off you yeah, have like exactly. hunter the Nico, and kenny if you have like that combination of players that have found their like confidence and found their groove and found like how they want to be aggressive and stuff together that's going to be so fucking hard to deal with for any team like that's going to be such a pain in the ass to play the only thing is, though, as usual, like one of the problems with Nico, right, is reading interviews with him is like a waste of time because he's one of those people. It's a bit like if you know League of Legends, the player called Double Lift, you can just tell they're like making up what they're saying as they're saying it and then thinking, like, fuck, I'm getting away with this shit. It's like, nah, man, everyone just knows, like, since you're sick, we'll just accept that that's what you think. Because the way you can tell they haven't thought through what they're saying is like, it's not even coherent. Like in the interview when he joined this team, he explained that he was going to go back to being a lurker. Spoiler, if you watch the Stratbok episode I just did with Carrigan, that's how Carrigan used Nico when he was like the best player in the fucking world, basically. But when Nico himself became IGL, even with Carrigan in the team, he would just do dumbass stuff, like just put himself as part of the entry pack. Like, oh, I'm getting more kills now. It's like, yeah, but that's not the role that you play, an idiot. Like now someone else has to do your role. So this is what's mad, right? When he said this line, I really just realized, I knew it anyway because I've got all the fucking contacts. But this line alone, if, if a fan actually knows Carrigan, to strike the idea they could he could say this line in an interview and they'd be like yeah it seems like he knows a lot about the game he said that because he was going to be shifting to being a lurker that like he wouldn't have to come very much now and that you know like he could just kind of like chill on his spots like 
what are you talking about? The whole point of the lurker is you're giving all the reconnaissance info, yeah. you fucking idiot. Like, yeah. what's coming around? Have you seen a rotation? Like, you're coming, basically, in my opinion, the lurker should probably be like the secondary caller along yeah. with the IGL. Yeah. Like, that's, that's such the, a constant problem in teams of like having lurkers yeah. that just don't talk and like don't, that's like, are just kind of doing their own thing. And it's like, and then you switch over and you have like a lurker that's actually calming and seeing what's going on. You're like, holy shit, it's like a whole new world has been unlocked on our T side. Like, I didn't even know this part of the map was like even still yeah. relevant. <laughs> I know, it's. <laughs> So useful. If anyone knows back in the day that everyone used to flame me because I said Happy was mad overrated as an IGL, right? Because first of all, he was really good at fragging. So an idiot goes, he must be really good at the game. And then secondly, his team was winning majors. So they were like, how can he not be the best, you know? And I used to, here's what I couldn't say at the time, because again, certain information is privileged. He had fucking like NBK on his teams, mate. NBK, like that's the whole reason NBK thinks he can be an IGL. He thinks he basically did the role already because he was just picking up the slack in all the areas that Abby didn't even know in game leader did shit. So like, it's like you can give them like proper credit, but you also don't have to give them yes. like too much credit. You know, like like Happy didn't have to be you know like the greatest IGL in the world. Some of these teams, you know, it's fine that you know the role. Obviously, they were still winning, so he's obviously doing yeah, you know, what he needed to do. And then you know, obviously, sometimes people just overtake that and just you know. Oh, it's, you know, he must be just the absolute best and just an absolute god. Yeah, I think it's it's it really it really does do a lot though when you're when your lurker can just relay that info back to your team and the fact that he can control that space and tell you, okay, they've used two smokes now, it's like Okay, now we know that if we run an exec on this bomb site, that they're probably not going to be able to counter it with the utility. It either has to be manpower or just like an over rotation from the opposing team. I, yeah, like on that, our last team, it, yeah. it was the difference between having Sonic lurking at spots, which was just mostly silent, and a lot of times I didn't feel like I knew what was going on. And then other times you would try, you know, something different, like MOTM lurking or something, you know, someone that was like calming or even Ricky, yeah. you know, floppy. And it's just such a world of difference when you know have that guy is like, you know what's going on on that side, you know that person understands like their role you know they they understand how they're interacting with the rest of the team it's just so useful to have yeah. also this is why when you consider he was the igl it makes you really wonder about how he thinks about the team game outside of his individual <laughs> game like if i have nico and i'm the igl and i'm also nico i might set up nico to come in on a lot of those like fucking clutch rounds and, like rotations that like retakes like i probably want that if anything because i'm the best at fucking winning culture like this guy not get his own game or something like it's it's bizarre how pro players sometimes like envision themselves you know like they'll sometimes put themselves doing something that like no one would do except themselves basically i wonder if nico's like you know he's like working the pack on mirage you know he's like working mid and it's like a lurker tries to tell him something he's like shut up i'm you know i'm in mid i'm trying to do my stuff lurker no talk just fucking i don't know he also, by the way, does have the same quality. Like, he's not as bad, like, he's not toxic as teammate, I'll say that, but he mm -hmm. does have the same mentality, which is exactly why I hate it when people think, like, stars in either Counter-Strike or sports are going to be great coaches. Because, like, mate, their way of doing it is, like, when they tell the other player on their team who's bad, he did a mistake. It's like, he didn't do a mistake. He's not you, you fucking idiot. Like, the shit that you do on the round, like, he can't do. Like, even if he peeks the con the same way, he's not going to get that kill. He's not going to have, like, intuitive, insane sense to do a 180 and catch a guy flanking him. Like, they're not going to do that stuff. And the idea you think that that's, like, the ABCs of the game, it's like, it's totally inappropriate that those players have, like, a lot of control over the team. That's why I'm actually really glad that at least when he's come in, he's saying all the right things that he's going to let next be the IGL and he's going to chill back and he knows, like, he has to, like, earn his way. Like, that's what you want to hear that's the player you want oh. to be because if, if you just put him in his own isolated he's going to be the best he could be the best in the world yeah, right, when, I, when i first saw the move and oh just one thing but um i was just going to say also even like nico going to g2 i thought it was like actually pretty good for phase as well as long as they were able to like get the right fifth yeah. you know find the right fifth i feel like you could easily make them like a better team
All right, we gotta we gotta bring up this tweet though the the Nico one actually uh, the one that's the hopefully he and the team won't ask me to take over the IGL role in the middle of the major. Um, okay, so it looks like Nico is just gonna fulfill his role though. Like he's not he's not gonna take over the IGL role. I mean, either way, I kind of just wanted Thorne's thoughts on this. Uh, what what is your your take I'm on essentially the, slamming Carrigan? Yeah. Here's the problem, and no one's been able to explain this, right? So if we believe that Nico never wanted to be the IGL, how did it keep happening then? Am I missing something? Was it, did they all just gang up and say like, oh, well, even though you're by far the biggest influence in this team, the best player and everything, and you've been an IGL most of your career at this point in time, we're just going to make you do it? even though I'm Olaf, who's just busted up as fuck. Rain over there doesn't talk. Guardian's <laughs> left the team. Cold is your best mate. Like, who's forcing him? Like, have I missed something? The, here's what Nico doesn't get about that that really is so silly, is when he explains stuff like that, it's like when a little kid explains why something's not their fault, but it entirely is their fault. They just don't know the concept of responsibility. So they're like, oh, but you know, I was too busy watching something with Jimmy, and then like, I didn't have the time to do my chores. It's like, only a little kid thinks that's an excuse. Like the adult just goes, "Well, do your chores first. Like, what the fuck are you talk like? Like in this scenario, <laughs> he just gives away that he doesn't. He does, like he essentially claims, by the way, to have had no responsibility over his whole career. Like that's not a great mindset for my star player. Like I want the opposite. I always say this. The reason why people, you know, you won't believe this back in the day. People who were analysts used to tell me I should stop hyping simple because it would make him worse, right? You just get even more egotistical. No, because what they don't know is every time I talk to simple, I would tell him. I would explain it like this. You know what? You're right. You should get your positions like this and they should fall listen to you. But you know what? They they should only do it if you then take responsibility that like you have to perform at a different level to them. You have to be the best player on the server. You have to do your job. And you can never not do your job on a round or fail performance-wise and then turn to the worst player and go, you only have, like what they do in matchmaker, like, you only have eight yeah. kills. Like that can never yeah. happen at all. If you take that, the whole, I said the whole point of being a star is it comes with the responsibility of being a star. That's why they pay you the big bucks. That's why the fans say you should be cut if you don't win the major. Like you have to embrace both aspects of that in order to make a reasonable team, in my opinion. And with Nico, like I get the feeling he wants to, on the one hand, get some things his way and pop off. But then afterwards, he wants to, like some mad, like communist idea, be like, we're all equal in this team, right? It's like, are oh, we fuck? Like, mate, your own best friend called Zira said in an interview instantly after you left that everyone was basically playing for you in the team and you were the IGL. Like, so like that, to me, that comment there, it's a decent burn, right? Because obviously he's used like some factual information to slam the guy. Like, okay, that's a decent one. He did fuck himself because he didn't know I already had that episode in the can and like basically that nuke was prepped in the cycle. <laughs> and, it, and don't worry, the ICBM could definitely reach Serbia. So we were ready to fire that one. So like, basically what he shows there, again, that he doesn't get is you just don't get being an IGL, mate. You don't get what it's about. You still think that like, I mean, Carrigan says it in this episode. They wanted fucking like exist or golden or flush. Yeah, What's that, was, that instead of character? That was so ridiculous. It's I, like, bro, what don't you I, get I, about this? I, I can't I believe hate, those are I the that, alternatives. Like, I hate that case that like they've kind of stated like along the lines the past year or two is like, oh, we want an IGL, but like we just don't see anyone that fits or is like you know good enough for it. So Nico's just gonna do it instead. And I feel like if you're going that route, like you still have to take responsibility for the fact that you feel you're a better IGL than every single other possible person or like you know yeah. even like slight risk you would have to take over you know literally everyone and that you can call better than all of these people i mean the other thing is if you didn't want to igl that much there's also cold zero he's secondary called he's taken over calling from fallen like get him to igl if you really don't want to that badly like he's igling now for phase if it's mm -hmm. such an issue for you yeah 
I want to bring up then a slightly different question that's just uh, on the alternative, on the flip side, who are some stars that have taken responsibility, that have uh, shown that they have agency in their rosters? Because I think Nico is one end of the spectrum where he, there's always some excuse. Simple's kind of on, he's kind of grown up a lot. He's really matured that he has. Like when he loses, he thinks he failed. And let's go back in history a little bit. Who are some other stars currently that you think are, or maybe currently or in the past that have just like done a really good job being the just alternative? From what I know, and just kind of from what I know from speaking to him, I think Elise is maybe a good example of like the alternative. I think he's someone that understands like his place in the team and like understands what he has to do and the results and like what is expected of him and like, you know, what, what is, you know, proper of him and what's proper of his teammates in comparison. I think he's someone that's always been pretty self-aware of where he stands in his teams and what he needs to be doing. Rops as well would be a good shout for that. Uh, these are all really cerebral players. Like you could talk to about, they're basically like, if they're not secondary callers, they should be basically like they have the mind for <laughs> it, you know, but crucially they're not trying to overstep their bounds and take it from the IGL, you know, so they're actually the, the guy you want. It. I would say another obvious example is like Valde. This is another player. I mean, obviously he briefly was an IGL, but he's another person who's best suited to just be like, Another thinker who isn't your IGL, basically. Yeah. Then you just he seems like someone that's, that can go like back and forth and be very self-aware in terms of like, what he needs to do. He can understand like an OG if like, he has MBK and Lexi B calling a lot, and there's not a lot of room for him. He's someone that doesn't have to like, you know, be there the entire time and has to you know, have his voice. He can take a step back and kind of understand where, where he stands in his team. I actually think Simple is a really good shout, though, because that's the area of his game that fans will never get, not least because, unfortunately, every highlight looks like he's at mispositioned, like he's just wildly doing no-scopes, so they'll never get the cerebral part of his game. Like, first of all, beyond just him, that guy is actually money in the bank in clutch rounds, which is ridiculous considering he can do everything else. And then more importantly to me, dude, that guy actually studies, like, all the utility usage. He knows all the protocols of the Molotovs, the Flash, and smoke. Like... You know how many star players don't know any of that shit? Like, I'm not joking. If you listen to the comms, in the modern day, you still have players like, do you know that smoke? Like, no, they don't. Like, bad luck. You know, they just don't know that one, you know. Like, that guy knows all that shit. Because, again, he had the mindset, which is cool for younger players, of, like, he already was the best skill-wise, but he knew, like, right, well, if I just level up this other shit as well, I get an even bigger advantage. And on some of the last Na'Vi lineups, let's be real, he had to pick up the slack for other players who were called the support players, but they were the one making all the boneheaded players. So he had to like throw utility for them and do his own shit sometimes, you know. And thinking also, about simple, even going back to like all teams he was on, like old liquid, like MLG Columbus 2016, when they like, when he like played really bad in that major qualifier match against Hellraisers and then was like crying after. I think that shows like an accountability of like what someone expects of themselves and understands like the results like they're supposed to be putting up, even from like a young age. He's also excellent at like exploiting timings. He finds some timing windows that like a lot of other players never find. Like Sean Garris has a really good video breaking down like yes. a trading game uh, from a little from a long time ago where he finds these ridiculous timings for like sandwich where it's literally half a second later, even like 0.2 seconds later, he's gonna get caught, he's gonna get spotted. But he's finding these perfect timing windows to get into spots and exploiting it perfectly. So like a lot of players, they can do one side of it but they can't combine the two like he'll he'll use utility perfectly to create those windows for himself so there was there was probably like a hiccup in simple's game i think at the beginning of 2019 or so where he started you could tell that he started just like kind of moving with the pack and it almost felt like he was giving up his life in circumstances to make sure that kind of the macro implications would happen and i and i felt like 
there was it was like oh no is simple like learning too much about the game and he's trying to be a good team player and then that kind of just vanished and it's one of those things where you watch a player improve like at the lower levels and you tell these like newer players it's like okay you're really good at going apartments on inferno but please just like try something else out in your game like try to go try to go play beat you know like learn something new and simple did that at the highest level he actually took a step down from his own individual game to learn you could see that he learned something new about the game he learned the macro of the game live in real matches and still perform and it was kind of like i think it was like oh simple slumping for just like a really short amount of time but then we don't even talk about it anymore like he's he's fine again like he's great i I mean other than the iem new york thing against vp or whatever where perfecto had coronavirus or something like that was his only like poor performance since what I remember was over a year and a half ago. Like it's like the way he's able to just recognize ways he needs to, like you, you guys mentioned the way he can break down. If I just level up this part of my game, I'll ascend once again. It's like, he just keeps doing it. He keeps finding his flaws and he's not willing to take like a step, a, a couple moments to lower himself just to learn whatever the lesson is of the day. It's, it's actually so exciting and awesome. Like, put it this way, that, uh, again, as someone who's a fan, sadly, because they see all these interviews where the players just lie and say they all practice 12 hours a day and they're all doing all the professional stuff. They all pretend they're Astralis, basically. People will take for granted that, like, well, shouldn't they all be doing that if they are getting 20K a day? It's like, no, that's like <laughs> saying every single, like, wide receiver in the NFL should know all the routes and all. Now, of course, they don't. Like, some of them are lazy. Some of them get by on just raw talent. Some of them just, like, like some of them, the coach even just knows this guy's a fucking idiot. Just give him basics. Like, don't don't make it complicated for him. Keep it very simple. We'll give him a couple of routes, you know, and he only ever runs those. Like, what people wouldn't get is... Like, I won't name names because some of them have never, it's never publicly been said, but I could tell you, but it's weird. If we did like a list of top 20 CSGO players of all time, you would be shocked at some of the players on this list who never watched a demo of the other team, never watched a demo of themselves, never watched a demo of the player they're going to play, never even bothered and actually genuinely thought that like team equivalent thing of NA of like, I'm just going to worry about my own game. And it's like, brother, like think about like the sports application of how much, like, mate, if people like Kobe Bryant and like the best NFL player, if they're studying and tape on the opponent like that's how you get that's how you get to the god tier that's where you're not just the best player you're like unbeatable at that point in time because now you don't even have to be on your game you can just beat the guy using your mind but sadly most pro players to this day that is still like the remit of the IGL in a lot of cases I'm afraid so that's why if you ever hear like like Carrigan said that like Rops was doing this like studying the game well that's super exciting if they're already a star player because then you know like nothing can stop this guy I've been on teams even like where the coach itself where I was like yeah, you know, on overpass, if you see Yuri throwing two flashes at A, you know, that means they're going B. And the coach was like, no, that's too complicated. Like, we can't be looking at that type of stuff. Like, we're still trying to build ourselves up or something like that. I was like, but I feel like that's just stuff you just have to, like, build into your game naturally. Like, I feel like it's not that it's not that complicated. Are, it's like, like, aren't you trying to get so any results today? Like, are, like I know yeah. people are trying to, like, build out their own game first before they start anti-strating. But, like, come on. Like, the way Kerrigan mentioned it, I think, on Stratbook was just, like... I play I play with the players I have to win to go as deep in the tournament I can at the moment that I get them. Like don't mm-hmm. don't do this like build out the foundation bullshit. Like you yeah. just just play the best you can play. Like I, I don't know why people always kinda like I, I get that maybe like the advanced level or MDL level where you're trying to build something. Yeah, but this is like at the minor playing, trying I mean, to go to it, like a fucking major. Exactly. I'm like, what, what the is stakes this? are too high to just like to take these things for granted, take these opportunities for granted and just say, oh, we'll just use this tournament as a stepping stone for us. It's like, come on. 
Get real. All right. Also, like that's like, it's all well and good saying that. Like everyone would say, I'm trying to win the tournament in an interview. The guy just results back it up though. Like mate, yeah. the t- first tournament he had Nico with no practice, just in the finals of IEM kind of eight say. Then when he had to use a stand-in, fucking exist at that. Or oh, just three zero, the best fucking team to ever play Counter Strike. Then Dude, when if I need an IGL to just to, to, to this get, day, like, we have no idea who Croman is. Like, he still never did anything. <laughs> just win a tournament with him ahead of all those... Fucking, like, mate, this guy's unbelievable. He, he actually... He wasn't just... Okay. Brava- that wasn't just bravado, was it? People are still... Have this misconception that Croman is good. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> like, it's actually... Like, like people are like, oh, you know, why aren't they getting... Why don't they get Croman on this Apex lineup? It's like... Because he can't even beat Tier 2 competition regularly in the EU scene. Like, that's why. It's like... He had one... He had, like, a couple good tournaments with Kerrigan, and he's literally just, like, been so below average. And that's why, like, people... When... when uh. Dignitas picked up Harry on that secret line or on that lineup or uh, what's it Nordovan I guess or I think it was Nord Nordovan, some some lineup yeah. whatever with it had it had Harry and it had uh, Chroman and Harry's just been performing better than him and like no one knows who the hell Harry is like that's <laughs> that's just crazy to me I agree to a mix though like obviously Carrigan is the ultimate guy to like if you had to put together like a pog team that's the person you would take as the IGL like he'll just have <laughs> yeah. them like competent yeah. on like three maps like one day later or something ridiculous <laughs> mid tournament they'd be better at the maps than most of the teams there alright uh, let's talk about another team that's integrating a new player complexity with jks they didn't have a great showing at uh at blast they came in third place a couple of us actually i think i think all of us predicted them on the last pod actually to make it to the finals and that just didn't happen big were able to take them down at the end of the day but they were able to pick up they picked up a map off vitality but that was actually the well i guess i guess they beat phase but that that team is hamstrung so um, I guess what are what are our, uh, impressions on this complexity lineup right now? How does JKS seem to be slotting in for you guys? Uh, JKS slotted in fine. I think he played pretty well in the matches I saw. It seemed like the rest of them, like it's kind of strange. It still seems like overall they're still maybe adapting, even though JKS himself was playing fine. Um, some series still adapting, but like Poison wasn't really playing that well this series. I noticed Config yeah. kind of seemed to be struggling as well, which um, isn't good. I like to see config you know actually playing really well for them so obviously i still want to see like how they play at beijing and how they've developed but i think they also got stuck with a somewhat hard group uh yeah. playing big and vitality so yeah, it's not the end of the world for them yeah i they, think yeah oh, sorry go ahead matt they they had a group where it was like a lot of teams that are very good at anti-strategy and exploiting tendencies and so with the way complexity sort of layer their games uh it's really hard to have that sort of depth when you've replaced someone like JKS, like replaced someone with JKS recently. So it's going to take a while for them to build that up. So it's going to, the, the teams that can sort of abuse those tendencies will while they don't have them layered yet. Do you think the potential for the team looks amazing? Like, I definitely yeah. agree. Like, of all the teams you don't want to run into in your first days playing, like Vitality and Big would be right up there. Like, those coaches are definitely downloading all the demos and looking at all your shit. So, like, the idea that we're going to slot them in, like, you could have the beginner's lock and you could maybe get it together, but I think it takes a while for this core to get together. But if you look at the, the style of team, if you look at team balance, like, who's an aggressive player, who's more of a passive, it's got, they've got a great balance in this team. Mm-hmm. I actually love it because you've got Russian config is like your entry pack that can do a lot of work poison i'm still not quite sure i think he's the odd man out in this team for me he doesn't quite live up to his potential yeah. but his potential is good and then jks the dream here is the easy closer if that guy's your yeah. closer on this team now you could have a really nice team 
If if Blame F or JKS is in a clutch, I just feel like there's a chance nowadays. It just seems like there's so much potential there. I, I have to agree with the Poison uh, point. I, I feel like he just on, he doesn't play the modern meta of the op anymore. He doesn't understand that that gun is just, in terms of economic value, so much more than just... You don't need to stay around the bombsite and fire three more shots through the smoke and then potentially get chased down and lose your op. Like, you need to save it. You need to run away. And the, I don't know, one out of seven times that your pop shots through smoke will catch something is just not worth the five or four times where you're going to die. This this guy needs to take a probability course or, like, some kind of just poker course. or Just play poker for a little bit or something and recognize that you can't just keep playing keep making these same moves or you're going to lose a lot of money in the long run because okay actually i looked at the stats to check and the only operas with worse kd at all of blast were henny which pretty much never happens but it's because furia just lost everything and then kenny s who we saw was just having the hardest time yes. of his life so that that just felt super uncharacteristic of of those two operas but then when i watched poison that didn't feel particularly uncharacteristic from from the eye test at least that that felt like okay that's poison doing what he normally does and he does die a lot and i almost feel like it's a two-edged sword for this uh for this complexity team the fact that they played all these like home sweet home cups early in the the year because they were getting adjusted to online it really helped them out they got a lot of reps together but at the same time i think it it kind of instilled a couple bad habits with poison where he's just straight up better than a lot of those people in those tournaments so he got away with a ton of shit and I saw, I watched those games and I saw a lot of it just, dude just decides to jump through a smoke and try to kill one and the other guy's like not looking and then he's able to recover and find the second. It's like, dude, how many times are you going to try to do that against tier one comp? Don't do that against tier one competition. You got to learn like your spots a little bit better. You know, when people got super bot hurt, Alex, when he said in that interview at Blast, like, oh, they were just hitting their shots and, you know, they were playing like a bit scrimmy, but, you know, I think we beat somewhat like, I think like what will happen if they stop hitting their shots. Yeah. I think Poison was the player he actually was referring to. Because if Makes you sense. go and watch Poison in that tournament against Vitality and Astralis, Right, he was either going to be the best opera in the world, or he would have massive flaws at this because he was just playing super aggro, refused to ever give up ground, repeeking around. It's like classic Kenny S, like repeeking in the spots over and over. Like that is going to be the most brittle opening style in the entire game because you either kill them all, or you not only like give up the site but you will always lose the orb and there's another yeah. factor that people never think about in the modern day is if you have a guy who is a primary orper you are going to waste so much of your equipment just getting orps to give to him like picking orps up saving orps like you're going to lose rounds off that like if you do that that guy better be absolute money in the bank when he gets that orp like it better because like, essentially if i like give up rounds to save him an orp now I need to win two rounds to make up for that. Like people don't do the basic like overview of the game in that sense. They just think well, it's the op, so I'll give him the op. It's like it doesn't it's, work that way, mate. Put it that way. I was just looking it up, and he has like relatively high DPR for an opera as well. Yeah, like, he, he has a 0.65, which is even higher than Simple, who's at a 0.64, and then other operas are between like 0.59 and 0.62 mostly. So like he's dying. A not not a ton more, but he's dying a lot more than uh, a lot of the top ten, top 20, fifteen operas. Which is you're going to lose so much economy value every single time that happens, and you're you're t to to have the skill of someone like Poison and lose the op that consistently. It's just going to impact the way your team can play, and it's going to change the structure per round that you can that you can exploit. Yeah, looking at it, it seems like Poison actually compared to the rest of his teammates falls off a lot more against like top ten opponents. 
Yes. Um, like yeah. Way more. He's just, it's... Like way more, He's like he's, he's only he's only he's even only like only slightly above Rush, for instance, who you know is obviously the one you want at the bottom of the team. So he's definitely the one, especially against good teams, that really needs to like be able to take it up another level and carry that consistency. It actually reminds me, obviously, because of the connection, of actually when Cirque first came to NRG, because he was tearing up NA, and I told people, listen, these first tournaments in Europe ain't going to be good. Like, you just wait till he comes back, and what will happen is, when you've been tearing up people with the open NA... You're not like that basically means you're like playing like fucking the shooting range. Like those people aren't actually anti-strategy. They're not trying to find your tendencies and wreck yep. you with utility. So like I've told this story before, even last year when they played that semi-final at the major, that was so winnable against Astralis, but they managed to make Astralis look fucking super good. When Cirque finished the game on overpass, right, where he just got absolutely bullied all the time in the B site. I even told him like, dude, if you go back and watch the demo, which I know players like him didn't do at the time. I told him, all you need to do is don't look for your POV. Look from the POV of the person who kills you every time. And what you'll find is they knew where you were. They were entering the site knowing you'd be there. They had the utility ready for you. They flash you off a spot, and that's why you don't get the shot. So if you're the player who's played in NA, you just feel like I had a, I got unlucky. Like, you know, I never got a fucking shot off. Like, it was unfair. I never got my duels. It's like, yeah, on purpose, mate. They intentionally did that to you. Like, they identified if they shot you down, the game was over. Like, and so that's the point. If you want to be an AWPA at tier one in Europe, be ready for that treatment. Like, that is what they will do to you. That's why so few AWPAs ever go off against Astralis. Like, it's really hard. You've got to be some, like, superhuman guy like Simple. Or you've got to basically be Zero, which or, never makes a mistake, you know. Or Gambit Mo. Gambit Mo was... Uh... Back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Even uh, then, that guy absolutely just sold, like, 10 years off his life to a fucking evil genie to get that game, mate. Like, he never did that ever again. That was mental. People, you'll see, like, a lot of players, like, when that happens to them, they'll be like, oh, I just feel like I'm not even getting a shot off, or, like, I'm not even getting my chances. And they'll almost, like, make that their excuse. And it's like, no, there's, like, there's, like a reason for that, though. Like, you have to, like, beyond just that like yeah if you're if a team's not letting you get your chances then you can't just keep doing the same thing and just yes. you know expect eventually i'm gonna get my chances like you're intentionally like not getting those chances like you have to be able to change the game away change the game around around the way you want to play and the chances you want yeah, yeah. So, this is why i actually do think the jks edition is exciting because at the moment the big problem they had in call is blame f gets his and then it's like, who else is going to be really good? And you never know. It would just depend on the day, on the map. And I will say, by the way, that's one of the reasons you never hear me, like, Blame F is the best IGL. Like, oh, but he looks at his, look at his fragging and he says he watches 10 million demos. What's the impact on the other players? Like, what, do they all just suck? Are they all just idiots who don't know how to apply what he's saying? Like, at some point in time, like, the IGL has to be able to communicate what he's doing to the players. He has to elevate what they're doing. So my problem is this. Config's the natural play you want to bang out as well, but like his style, it's really hard to dominate a game if you're like one of the entry pack like that because you're gonna die so often. Like you can get the kills. Like with a player like that, I judge you mainly by like the kills and how frequently you get them and how you do on your entries. I'm not looking for you to have like a massive plus minus because look at the role you play. So yeah. if JKS comes, that now you've got enough talent, you could do it by committee. You, you actually could literally like have a, a, a solid scenario where no one has to be like some superstar player. Blame F can keep doing his shit and maybe it can function. Because even watching JKS as an individual, like individually, he's like so smart in like how he plays his spots and his roles, like with his nays and everything, that he can 100% like function on his own and have it contribute to like the rest of the macro of the team very well. Like my dream is he just beca basically becomes like fucking Cold Zero and MIBR on this team. Like that would be like not MIBR, like the old ones, obviously that were good. Like that would be the, the dream for me. Yeah, <laughs> the L actual not not when they're on MIBR and the LG. And, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think I found the solution though for poison. Just just give him a scout because honestly, you're probably going to find the same amount of kills either way. 
and it's a lot less a uh, lot, lot less investment but we'll think about that one we'll uh let that stir for just a little bit uh okay vitality so they ended up winning their group they used nevera to actually pretty good effect uh they subbed him out for uh or subbed him in subbed out masuda for on dust two they put in nevera and on inferno they took out shocks and they put in nevera for him i think those are the two subs i yeah. think those are the two maps that that they sub yeah okay so yeah. uh if you guys caught those, anything that you guys notice from it? Uh, I just want to say, like, about, like, like I think, just thinking about, like, the six-man rosters and stuff, like, for a team like Vitality, I actually think it works pretty well um, for, like, the roster they have and kind of, like, the position they're in. I, like, a team like Astralis, it's maybe not as much, you know, obviously not the same. But I like I like that Vitality is, like, actually using it. They seem to, like, have a plan. You know, they, they have, like, you know, they're not, like, at the peak of their game. They still have, like, ways to improve and things they can do to try to, you know, get that extra weight and i think nevera is like a six man and trying in like certain maps is like a really good way to go about it and i think they're i think the way they're going about the six man is actually really good and like one of the probably the best way i've seen it so far and like most practical way also like think about the maps that they're subbing in on like dust two they can double up easily inferno they can double up easily like it, yeah. it really fits their style well and allows them to change up uh their style it's also like depending on the team they play against subbing in an opera and sometimes not subbing in that opera is going to completely change the dynamic so it's going to be a lot harder to anti-strat against them uh when teams are scrimming them and they're playing maybe with shocks on inferno and then they sub in nevera now you have two operas playing against you it's not going to be the same style at all i also I think like on certain considering what a great team they are like they are one of the best teams of the world they clearly on some maps did like firepower and that was like the most like fatal flaw because there was no way you could get more out of it like everyone's waiting mm -hmm still for shocks to become like some superstar it's just not gonna happen at this point is it like he's a good player and he has certain games where he goes off but it's not ever gonna unfortunately at this point in time be like the shocks from years ago so this nevera guy is clearly skilled and also there's another fact that they don't mention right but mate if there's one thing i want to see less of in my entire life watching shocks is when he just insists on trying to op all the time it's like why does he do yeah. that mate? you're one of the best rifles ever and amazing clutch player but is it another one of those players where like their conception of themselves is just so different. I think I think he sees the op and he thinks back to that round on Inferno like seven years ago and he's like, Imagine Slim. I pull this yeah. off again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had like one nice highlight on Dust 2 this year, I think. Uh just like I think oh yeah, against Mouse Sports, but yeah. Actually on Inferno, uh Nevera just took up the op and Zywu didn't use it at all, actually, if I'm not mistaken. So it's it's not even necessarily a double op, actually, on every map. On Dust 2, they did both double op, but on Inferno... It's pretty uncommon a double they, op on Inferno, ball, to be yeah. fair. It's like, it's like sometimes if your banana holds or yeah. like need something to switch up, so you'll you'll throw an op over there. But sometimes you just even just throw your primary op over there. You don't even mm -hmm. need to do the double yeah. op thing. So that's... I think that's pretty cool, in all honesty. The, the way it's being utilized right now, I... It's, it's kind of a shame, because I... I know Thorin said that, but I, I think... I feel like Shocks has been like getting better. The last two tournaments I've seen him in, I think he's actually performed at a higher level. And I think his lurks, I feel like he's been watching demos or something. I think he's just gotten better timings on lurks. I think he's had way more impact on them. Like the fact that I think it was I think it was Dust Two again, maybe in their opening match, so that would have been against complexity. The way he just kind of like lurked out double doors late in the round like a lot of players then would usually just go up cat to try to secure the round for his team but he just went through double doors through ct spawn and killed two people who were uh, from complexity that were moving up like he has 
his ideas have been consistently pretty strong on the Lurks. Oh, his game say. sense is still good for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I I don't even mind them subbing Zewu out on the op on Inferno because Zewu is such a good rifler. Like it's it's crazy that they yeah. that they don't utilize it as much. And I think this is a perfect way to do it because Nevera is a fantastic opper I, as well. So being able to get him in that role a little bit more on a map like Inferno as well, where you can flash him in, you can double peek at a lot of different angles. It, it will work really well for them, I think. I also just love just for just for out of pure like evil hilarity the fact that like can you even imagine being Bobsky now sitting with the rest of us watching the stream going ah oh, sixth man huh, cool idea right Zonic looking at him like he's going yeah listen mate we told you that was fair shut the fuck up we'll sell you, we'll sell you soon don't worry like that's just mental isn't it although yeah, my man, was they this him in as a coach you know that's my joke you know when they subbed him in as a coach well yeah obviously because remember Nicola Nyholm's a used car salesman so now when he goes to a new org that's coming in with all money he can go this guy coached uh, a three time major <laughs> oh my god because <laughs> oh, he did technically he coached so then you, you sell him you know some Chinese org buys him it's only once they get him it's like you know it's like the fucking can we have Sonic we've got Sonic at home but you get, wait, wait a minute <laughs> and then you fucked that point aren't you <laughs> We have a better social media manager, at least, I guess. Oh, I I like that. Uh, I like that Vitality though is is trying more Zaiwu with the rifle because wasn't it? Okay, well, there. I think there was the thing about how Simple said he liked rifling more, right? So I think Zaiwu. I don't know if Zaiwu has said that. Has Zaiwu said that he likes rifling more or anything? Because I don't know when if he I, said it. I know he said that uh, he used to rifle more before he just had to pick up the op on on AAA or AAA. Okay. When I watched him on AAA, he yeah. only opted for that team. Like he basically yeah. destroyed everybody in T2 MDL or like you know in MDL Europe. Like he just smashed everybody with the op, so he never really put it down. But I yeah, before that team, he used to primary rifle. I think so. He picked it up for that team specifically and just has never dropped it really since. The problem is those are also players where, like, this is one of the reasons why people don't realize. Like, I don't just do willy-nilly interviews after games. I wait till I get someone and I know I've got them locked in for two hours and I can study them and I can watch other interviews and find their tendencies and what they've said in the past so I can cut them off before they go along the bullshit dangle. Because if you just leave superstar players to talk, again, like, the brain doesn't get connected to the mouth. The words just come out and then every now and then they're just sort of like, oh, it seems, seems like it's going well. So, like... Remember, the players like this aren't fucking human. So towards mere mortals, we just try to get really good at one fucking role in the game. They'll just be like, I think I'm going to start rifling now, actually. That's why Shocks thinks he can hope. He's like, you know what? I've mastered that, so I'll knock that on the head. Like, it gets, it's like, mate, how would it ever get boring to you winning all the clutches and being the fucking MVP with the rifles? Like, yeah, but I also want to be the best, like, opera. Like, if people don't know this story, I'll tell it very quickly. The maddest one of all time was when Markov in 1.6 was the best player in the whole world. And at every major was like doing the equivalent of like Zero and Simple shit, where you would be like plus 25, win the MVP, win the fucking major, by the way, just back to back to back. He literally the next year just went like, actually, I think we're going to let Starrix open. He was going, I he actually said to me in an interview, the problem is I don't want to be known as the best opera. I want to be known as the best player. And I was like, well, fucking chance to be a fine thing. What are you talking about, you, you maniac? <laughs> like, well, do you not realize how insanely privileged your skill has made you that you think that's even an option? Like, oh, don't call me the best opera. Just call me the best player. Like, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> Players are the most ridiculous humans in the world. Not least because everyone watching this show, you all just fucking gas them 24-7 and tell them everything they do is right. So they live in some bubble where they're just like, like they're like the little 14-year-old girl at the party. Like, oh, I wanted the fucking... The pink Lamborghini, mom. That's a fucking purple. Send it back now. Like, that's like what star players are like. 
sweet. It's like half the time I'll see like a, a player like reply to like some like DM on Twitter or something. I'll be like, eh, it wasn't that good, and then I'll like leave the comments, and it's like, oh, yeah. like five thousand likes. I'm like, okay. All the comments are like, oh shit, he shut yeah, you yeah. down, baby, and he's just like, no, you are not as good as me. Like, and everyone's like, oh damn, son, how are we doing? Man, what what sort of like high school level star fuckers are you guys that that's sick to you? Give me a break. <laughs> All right, I think that'll take us to the halfway point in the pod, which we will now be including a Patreon question of the week. The question of the week that I come up with will still be at the end, but we're going to be going to uh, a patron that I know Mix really is a fan of. So Mix is going to take the lead on this one, just asking the question to the rest of us. All right, so Vor Vor, I love Vor and Scat. Scat and Vor ask, thoughts on the current YAG gaming roster, their potential, and if Booby was a good pickup. So, I guess me and Note probably have the most knowledge on this. Uh, I mean... <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I, I, think, I don't know much about Booby. I think if they'd gotten a chance to be an MDL this current season, then we'd be able to answer that a lot easier because they would have been, a- they would have been able to get a lot more experience. They, I honestly think they should have been invited to the relegation tournament last season. Uh, but ESEA, for some reason, decided not to do it and forced them to play through open and advanced, and they just 16 owed both the regular season. It's just fun. ridiculous. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> a lot of fun, I'm sure. So I think Booby played really well as a stand-in for, for Whalers during the last, uh, that was last like, IEM. Year tournament, yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, he actually surprised me. He fit in really well. I'm not sure how well he'll fit into this team specifically. Uh, plugging into american players into this brazilian lineup is going to be a it's going to take a lot of growing pains i think for them to actually fit in over time yeah i'm sure they'll be fine at mtl but against teams like chaos i can't really see them competing too much uh i'm still excited just to keep seeing how dumao progresses i thought i I don't know how to say his name exactly but um he's probably definitely their most exciting player he's like only 16 i think so just continue to see how he develops and the future for him I just appreciate how absolutely scuffed all these profiles are with like the worst Photoshop <laughs> job ever on HLTV.org where they just look like there's no way like that person was in that jersey and that, that, that photo actually took place. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they just put random heads on different bodies and things like that. They're just mixing and matching parts. I know uh, fuck all about this team. That's, that's, I'm surprised yeah. someone would bother asking. Is he just asking that question just to be stupid because of like the entendre? I don't think so. It's no, 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 like it's a NA. It's a yeah. NA specific question. All oh, right, it's yeah. a very like yeah. NA tier two kind maybe of maybe like maybe more of like Brazilian maybe or something. I don't know, but um, I there's definitely like some interest around this team. Yeah, I, yeah, they're like the fourth best Brazilian team now. I would say, or well, I guess Boom Gaming's better, so probably fifth best. But but of NA based Brazilian teams. So for for context, Thorne, it's like when Team One first came to North America. It's yeah. like and it's, it's also amount of interest around them at first, right. and it's also the first time we've seen like NA players like really integrate into like a Brazilian yeah. lineup. So it's also kind of interesting in that way as well. Yeah, two, obviously it's more like semi-pro, but it's still you know either way. Two Americans, three Brazilians. It's a it is kind of an interesting mix that they're going with here. I'll say this about Booby because I I kind of grew up in the scene with him actually. Like we both played. I want to say like Maine and. When I played MDL, he was playing MDL at the same time and, like, you know, rank S and all that stuff. I I think he's developed a lot as a player where before I, like, he was kind of a an un, like an unknown quantity in that you don't know what you're going to get from him, especially in pugging kind of environments. Like, you're, people were like, are we going to pick him early on or is it going to be a last pick because I don't want to deal with that guy right now? And I think he's found a consistency at the higher level now that is predicated on, like, his 
he's not just like wild card playing around in i've noticed like at iem new york i remember on overpass for example uh he he, he like just had a lot of good rounds that were like very caught like they weren't just throw caution to the wind a lot of them were very tempered in his approach and like it'll be like get a kill move around the map look for something else whereas before i, I know he used to just like he would get that kill and just like try to keep fighting to the death kind of stuff so he's he's developed his game in a substantial way that being said i i can't really give like a strong opinion because right now their competition is pretty easy in terms of like they're playing advanced so like that's until they play mdl i i can't really say how this is going to go but like booby and and uh swisher are pretty tested at the mdl level and they have been like you know top like i'd say like 85 percentile in that in that area so they should be he should be a solid player when they when they do get there um but let's move now into some of the news that's happened in the last week so actually the csppa has announced or released actually their second iteration of their rankings you can see that you guys can see them here on the screen if you guys are watching on youtube um but for everybody else um we're gonna just talk about some of the things that we eh, let's just do this first okay thorn what would you give this this uh ranking out of 10 where 10 is like the perfect objective rankings of all time and i'd say like eight is the hltv rankings how does and why one we, is why are we looking at 21 to 40 like why do we not look at the other part Oh, Wait, sorry. Is it, I didn't oh, see one, the it's one through twenty. The graphic was above. Okay, because because okay. the problem is once you get below, it might. Like, if people don't know, the reason why I only go to ten is because first yep. of all, you sit down by hand and try and calculate every single fucking match that someone played <laughs> and what ranking it was getting. Like, it'll take you a few hours. And then secondly, once you get past about ten, maybe in the modern day fifteen, it gets mad sketchy. And that's not including like the regional aspect now. Like, because yep. the problem is once you get down to like fifteen, there are teams that came last place in the DreamHack Masters or the IEM. Yeah. So, like, what is it worth to come last place? Like, I, I've always thought a flaw actually, like the HLTV one, as people now know, it was always a flaw. Was that just attending the event? and keeps you boosted to some degree. That's why people like VP just hang on for years and years. So when I look at this overall, like some of it's reasonable, like obviously like Vitality, Heroic, that's all fine. Astralis within reason. My problem is stuff like Furion number two. Like how much, like that sounds to me, because one, one of the problems I remember when Lurpus was looking into this, because he's like a numbers guy and he was running all like the possible equations. It feels to me like, if Fury is number two, you surely have given them way too many points for NA tournaments. Like, what basis yep. would they have to be number two in the world? Like, remember what Heroic's done in the last few months? Like, yeah. haven't they, like, one tournament's been semis in them? Mm. Like, I think worst case was, like, fourth in some, like, f fucking hell. Like, how much you have to work? <laughs> Meanwhile, what has Liquid done? Like, Liquid's number eight over some of these teams. Again, this makes me wonder if they've done what also HLTV does that's flawed, in my opinion, is... Like, I, I understand people don't like my system where, like, it's like a hard cutoff at three months. But some of these just trail so far in the back. Like, how the fuck is OG below some of these teams here? Like, look what they've done in the last few months. I don't I mean, know if they're not as correctly, bad as the last. They're good. Well, the last one was one of the worst ones of all time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, comparing it. Like, last <laughs> time, MIBR was number eight. This is it's less an than improvement. Ago, we could say that. <laughs> I would say this is like seven out of 10 off the top of my head. If I'm off for you, it feels like something like that. I don't know if I recall correctly, but I think the CSPPA ranking might even go back six months or something. So it's it's like a larger time span as well. Right. It feels like knowing how many points to get to the NA region exactly is tricky, but this definitely still feels like it's too much. Like even 
having yeah. chaos at like 18, I think they'd probably be better fit like in the 20 somewhere. Yeah, but like, here's the point. I want to get you guys' take on this because this is the issue, right? On the one hand, it's unfair to not give many points because let's let's say for all we knew until this Blast tournament, maybe EG was the best team in the world. Like, you can't say they aren't. Like, they didn't have anyone else to play and they were smashing, actually smashing. They weren't even losing maps, guys. They were just plowing the best teams in their region over and over and over again. So maybe they're the best, in which case it's unfair not to give them the points, right? But the issue I have is this, right? That's exactly where you will never get a really nice ranking because always you have to have a human who says, that's not as legit. Like the computer can't tell you that. It can only look at how many teams are there, what are their rankings in the world, which is, by the way, is entirely circular logic. And then things like, and all they use on here, like prize money, for example. Like these factors will throw it all off. So for example, I even said this myself. One of the reasons the first one they did was terrible is because they gave way too much to Flashpoint 1. Like Flashpoint 1 should have like maybe more than any other tier 2 because of the prize money, but it should never be like tier 1 level points. Even though, yes, the TOs all want to do that because they want to like honor each other's big event and like you have to give my championship the big points and I give yours. So like the problem with that is like the only way in the short term to fix that is to basically have a human come in and say, I'm just going to be biased, biased in favor of what I think is reality and just say no to the system. Because the only other system I'm aware of that comes close to that is like an ELO system. And even then, that's really tricky to set up because, again, it could just become so, so circular. Like if EG beats the NA team, I'm sure the ELO would get really good, you know? Like speaking to the loop you talked about, it's like kind of how like some of the NA teams died off and then it seems like so fast. Like you see like Team 1 come into the top 30 in HLTV and you go, Ningling yeah. and Whalers in the top 30. Yeah, you think, well, so, they got them, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they're just coming in because they're just replacing the other teams that died. It doesn't necessarily mean they got better. But now those teams, like their rankings go higher. And so, you know, they kind of just stay higher in the events they're playing. So it's definitely a tough thing to manage. But yeah, I definitely think the only way you could really do it subjectively is with a human. Like, I don't think there's any way to always know like how much NA needs to be worth and especially in like the split regions like it's impossible to do it all yeah, split regions makes it so hard to actually judge these points just based on like a calculation or metric also like for example you're gonna see New England Whalers probably go into like the top 20 at this point because they just played in a top NA tournament they're about to play in Beijing so I don't think they're a top 20 team they've been playing well in North America but like they're probably going to make it into the top 20 at this point just based on the tournaments that they're playing in in North America and getting those points. So, right, Here's yeah. the point I want to make to you. Just think about this as food for thought. Here's how you know that whoever made these rankings is not competent at even what the concept of the rankings is. Because here's the thing, right? Since it is so fractured right now, and it's all massive debate over whether this team should be four or six or seven, you know what the logical thing to do would be? Well, you're building basically a system that takes inputs and spits out outputs, right? So here's what you do. You run your system for a past year that we already know the results for. So go and get like 2018's matches and tournaments, put them into your system, see what it spits out at the end. And if at the end it spits out, think of the year I'm talking about, that like Team Liquid's fifth, but then like, I don't know, fucking FaZe is second. Well, then you know you fucked up, didn't you? Like there's something went wrong and you can go and look at the circuit and the equation and start fixing so, how has that not even occurred to these people? Like, they're just trying to do it on the fly now. And then, like, the idea that they even put out that first one, that's an insane <laughs> red flag. <laughs> had those players come out and say it was all good, etc. Like, that, like, that's like, when it, you know, like, if, when you have a movie that's bad, the real reason it's offensive isn't that it's bad. It's that, like, that went through, like, whole fucking script meetings <laughs> and people workshopping shit. And then the actor's like, I think I'll change this line. Like, and then it comes out and it's terrible. Like, that means everyone in this whole production is probably garbage. Like, you know, like, <laughs> or someone stood up and just said, like, like one of those players, like, 
what are you doing here? Like, how can they be number three or something? Like, did that never happen? So, like I say, the obvious thing to me to do, this is what I've even suggested because I've actually, people don't know, behind the scenes, there have been companies who've tried to do independent rankings. They just aren't, they never tended to publish them, unfortunately. They start the project, then just give up eventually because they thought no one would adopt them. One of the things you do is exactly that. You do dry runs and you try and see, like, what makes sense or... It's one of the ways, by the way, you can even start to think of things like, are we flawed in how we think of normal rankings? Like, like, is it unfair to give a team this ranking off this? Like, you have to basically, you have to know, first of all, like as a general abstract principle, what you're trying to go for. And then you've got to check at the end that the output makes sense. Like, if you don't do both those things, you'll just let, get lost in one or the other, in my opinion. Because I agree, like, the worst ever stat that people give is like, oh, this team's made it to 35th on the HLTV rankings. Like, what does that even mean? What does that yeah. mean, dude? Like... I, I read a good amount of uh, actually I pretty much read all of the CSPPA like ranking handbook uh, to like with their Did methodology they improve it and from before and everything. Um, I actually admittedly didn't read the first one, so I can't Put say. Lerp has found some insane holes where like if you had a tournament that was like, you know, it's something Dude, mental. Like, like if you had a tournament ones. that had like the top 16 teams in the world, you could then have a tournament that had like only the top eight that like, got more points somehow. Like, <laughs> even if they, like the same price. There was some mad like angles on it where it like didn't make any sense basically. Yeah. I don't recall who pointed it out, but somebody tweeted that if you have like a six team roster that's, that's, while you're That's what I put. I, I tweeted that. I tweeted that. That boosts yeah. you up on Mac. Yeah, yeah, it does. It just boosts you, and if you if you transfer, so basically like with Nevera, he transferred over to Vitality, so they kind of they like get his points. It's just like well, nice. okay, so that's just so ridiculous. That was just ridiculous. I there's this thing, this rule book really needs to be amended like significantly because the the wording in it is just really like it's written by someone who just has never written a legal document in their life or read one for that matter because like it's, what, what kind of stuff does it say okay well like they have like, these they have these definitions and everything and then they like they have this huge glossary right that takes up two and a half pages and then like just halfway like of like three quarters of the way through it they tried defining a new term in the in like the in like a another amendment i guess of it like this the regulator or whatever and they don't even really give you a proper definition for it so like how why don't it's like why are they not defining it in their original glossary where they defined all the other terms it's just and also like i i i, I don't know like <laughs> It just feels like this is just super poorly written. I, I really need... You know what? I'm going to say yeah. something, and I, and I can actually say this, so I'll get away with it, right? Okay. It sounds like someone who's fucking super autistic and lived with their mother in like a fucking basement for 30 years, trying to use a chalkboard to make an equation for love, where they're like, right, it's attraction attenuated <laughs> by like compatibility with a multiplier of time over like fucking helmet. You can't do that. It doesn't work. Like, what are you talking... <laughs> this is madness. What are you talking about? Like, dude, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's just like a feel, a vibe, like, you know, you can't quantify these things. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> the regulator. Like, unless that's fucking Warren G. <laughs> yeah. Reference. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I just like, it, it almost felt like also the way they left certain statements was so open-ended that another statement almost contradicted it. But then it's like, did it contradict that statement? Like, I need a, I was going to send them an email of like my complaints with it so that I can just take this up with them in a more yeah, that's a good way. idea. So, so that I'm not just like grilling them on these things because some of these statements are, are like contradictory in a way that it just really ticked me off. And I, it made me not want to proceed with reading with it. That, that, that's for sure. And then at the end of the day, it, it also says at the end of the entire um, document, even though the publication date is November 2nd, it's, it still says shit like taco MIBR, JT cloud nine, 
like they just put like people on teams that are still not there. They they copy and pasted it, and then one paragraph later they say Taco no team. So it's like is Taco on Taco MIBR Taco no team? One paragraph later, it's like okay, you guys. Maybe it was a quantum ranking. (laughs) They just (laughs) you know at any point in time in the universe, Taco could be on any team. (laughs) Yeah, they're just just moving around. (laughs) It's like an incredibly small choice. He's he's just in between a ball a wall right now, but. You know. Also, I, I should have prefaced with this, but just for just for clarity's sake, obviously I work for HLTV, so take my statements on this ranking. With yeah, fair enough. Perfect. Disclaimer. Yep. There's another thing as well. Because it, it's the CSPPA, half the reason why people like us have to bang on it twice as hard is because all those players who, who literally were like on some Princess and the P-level shit complained about everything for the last five years, <laughs> magically... Cat's got their tongue. They don't have an opinion about this ranking. They don't even care, by the way, if their ranking's off by like 10 positions. You're telling me players don't care about that. Of course they do. They've all just been... This is why it's almost like some conspiracy of silence with these fuckers. It's like, mate, these guys complain when they get wrong brand of water. Literally. <laughs> all right. No opinion on this ranking, all right. And even coming out, co-signing it all, like some like slimy fucking political thing, like I endorse CSPPA for real that. Like, give me a break. Like, what is this shit? Not a fan, essentially. Okay. If you didn't get the message there. Not a fan. <laughs> it to be good, though, because here's the saddest thing about all of this. If people don't know, because I can give you a little bit of insight, the reason Flashpoint wanted to pay the CSPPA to do these rankings, I'll give you a gem in a minute, is because we actually understand that, like, if you have the ranking in any way associated with your organization and you're the TO, you either will explicitly rig it, spoiler, ESL's ranking, or you will, like, there will always be the suspicion that when someone doesn't quite agree, like seven instead of six or something, they'll think, well, could it be that they're trying to fuck with me because, you know, I don't play their tournament or whatever. So what we wanted is we wanted it to be independent so it was not related to us. But here's what I'll tell you is the reason why that whole thing broke down and we never did it is no joke. We were telling these people from the beginning, we want you to make this ranking, we'll pay you to do it. And then when we like demanded they sent us what they'd been working on, well, you can imagine, guys, when this shit only came out a couple of months ago, what the fucking prototype was like. It was like some, <laughs> it was like that shit where the kid's just obviously just done his homework one hour before class. Like, what is this? Like, that's your science project, is it? Like, a fucking Cheerios going to like a, a fucking hungry, hungry hippo's mouth. Like, I can't, like, that's like the level it was on to. We were just like, I'm not paying for this shit. Get out my face. Okay, two, two Even things. worse, it might be R8. Yeah, two, two things, though, about, about the ranking that I remembered that, are, that I have points on. It's just, okay, so this is something that is an example of how inconsistent it is, that basically, in one statement, it says that um, to ensure that the CSPPA world rankings remains independent from the commercial interests of teams, TOs, and other stakeholders, no third party has discretion uh, with respect to the ranking methodology. And then it literally says in the same document, the the ranking is dynamic. This means that the CSPPA ranking can and will be adjusted on the basis of, of developments in or input from the CSPPA membership and the CSGO community. So it's like no third party involvement and yet you're going to take advice from the community. Like th- this is not, those aren't cohesive at all. Like those don't work together. What and does that other- mean as well? Dude, that's like some <laughs> shit like... When, like, Principal Skinner was like, just tell me what to say. It's like, what are you talking about? Input from the community. So if the community just flames you, you're like, oh, what do you guys want? You want number nine? I can, I'll can. i give you number eight. How about that? <laughs> like, what? Okay. okay, the second thing, and the one... Wait, as well, let's just be real. If I had to explicitly design the worst ranking of all time, I think having the fans have input would probably be the top of the list. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. 
MIB on a break because all the Brazilians would just overwhelmingly vote in, wouldn't they? Like, you wouldn't be able to ever get rid of these guys. It would be low. <laughs> the one Alberta's pro is still a number two team in the world. The yeah. one thing I want to give this ranking credit for, and I, I see why it can be useful in the future if they refine it, is that they take into account the fact that uh, like player health, burnout, the fact that teams should ta- be able to take breaks from tournaments shouldn't okay. affect their ranking as drastically as with HLTV, you are almost in a way penalized by not playing a tournament. You basically like should just go to every tournament because if you succeed in any way, shape, or yeah. form, your ranking will only get better. Whereas CP- CSPPA... Uh, it looks like the way that this is headed, if you go to a tournament and do badly, like that can also negatively affect your ranking or that, you, I mean, you just shouldn't do that. Like the decay on CC, CSPPA's ranking isn't as drastic as say HLTV. So that's the one shout out I want to give them because I think that if it goes the right way, that it kind of works in tandem with how Flashpoint is supposed to be a more balanced product for, uh, or something to enroll in and list in if you're a player that you want to go to Flashpoint because you don't want to have to go through the grueling ESL and blast schedule. It's that you want to be able to play, you know, two tournaments a year, pick and choose from the rest of the, the circuit, and then you can still have a comfortably top 15 ranking in the world. But with HLTV, it, you really, with HLTV rankings, you should just go to everything. You really should just go but to everything. By the way, disclaimer, similarly, I obviously work for Flashpoint and Maui Snake is talent for them, just so, just so people are aware of that. Yes, yeah, I, is, I personally think yeah. that HLTV does have to somehow adjust the the point distribution for teams not attending tournaments, especially with the way the scene's going to go in the next year with the exclusive leagues and, and the ESL tournament schedule. It's just the, the teams are going to have to... Obviously, the teams in like ESL tournaments and in Blast tournaments are going to benefit because they're attending more tournaments, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the teams in Flashpoint are worse. It's just going to come out that way with the way that the ranking is currently set up, right? And... There has to be some adjustment to that with the more exclusive leagues that we have coming in. All right, let's let's get on. Let's uh, turn the page here and get on to a slightly uh, more positive topic. Uh, the MIBR Astralis series was the second most viewed online match of the year at 512,000 concurrent viewers. I mean, this is just an overall positive thing for the community. What are you guys? Right, how do you two guys hours to start though, so it did have like the ma- biggest ramp up of all time. <laughs> That's true. The technical delays were were uh, were there and present. But yeah, this uh, is this is just Brazilian CS. Like, if you yeah. don't know, like even MIPR random games in Flashpoint would hit like some of them were getting bonkers numbers, like two hundred K or something insane. I think like like that gonna... just by default that region just gets insane viewership. I think this showed like for MIBR the org maybe itself a little bit is that. Maybe they don't need like Fallen and Taco and like that whole group for like viewership and stuff or you know brand like as much as maybe some people thought they did or even maybe themselves thought they did. Sure. Like I feel like I feel like they can survive just fine, still be a big brand, especially in Brazil, without those names just by being MIBR and having you know some of the mainstay names of Brazil. Well, this is like the whole thing with the with that core running the MIBR name into the ground and that fear, right? Because like. Obviously, this name has such a claim in the Brazilian scene that they're always going to pull those viewers regardless. Like, So when you have a new core playing under this lineup, it was sort of a combination of having this team debut there and having the MIBR name also underneath, uh, underneath those players. So it makes sense that it got this sort of viewership. And I'm sort of happy that we still have that sort of core viewership that are willing to watch these matches as well. This this reminds me of when LeBron went to the Lakers and there were people there was like a mural in LA that had LeBron on it and it was tagged in graffiti like 
someone spray painted over his face and like wrote not a Laker. And there, there were plenty of people too that were like, LeBron's never going to be a Laker or whatever. And then it's like, Oh, well, once he wins the championship, everyone's celebrating all the same. <laughs> and I feel like the brand has kind of, and that's something that I, in regular sports in like, that's, that's been a while. I mean, like people have rooted for the Celtics for like, you know, if your father's a Celtic, your father's father's a Celtic fan, like you're still going to be one too. And I don't think we've really seen that with esports as much where I think, uh, a lot of the people in like the modern day are a lot more player driven. I thought that was going, I thought that was something that's kind of been sh- like fans of sports have been shifting to where they're fans of their favorite players, but they're not necessarily fans of their favorite teams. But like you mentioned, though, with, with MIBR's name actually still maintaining popularity and a draw for the Brazilian scene, that is, I, I find that super surprising. I think maybe it's characteristic though because of a national fan base like the the brazilian fan base but uh i mean it's cool to see that there is some weight behind an org just keeping their name and identity together there were also like a couple of elements as well that made this match not just like a normal group stage match like first of all there was that whole thing where gaules was like hyping some angle where like his girlfriend was gonna give him his car or some shit like that if like (laughs) If they oh, her car named Astralis <laughs> or something like that. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, that's like a yeah. gimmick to get people to watch you stream. And then secondly, like the Astralis account themselves were like directly interacting with the account. Like they, they got like way more of sort of a push than a random game would be. So they obviously mm. put like emphasis on this. Probably because they knew we can just blow the viewership out if we do it. So it was, it was a shrewd move. Yeah, it was pretty big. Um, Exists and Kriaz heading to Genji. All right, so Exists getting another lease on life. It looks like uh, Kriaz. I don't. I'm not too familiar with this guy. Do you guys have any intel on who Kriaz uh, he's is? He's just like I don't have that much intel. I know he's just. I mean, like, he's sitting for Fnatic a while ago. If you remember that, uh, he's in Pro he played a couple of games. Yeah. Yeah. He's not like not didn't like set the world on fire or anything. Not like overall. I just from what I've seen from him, just kind of another. Like average Swedish player, not like bad or good. Probably not going to set the world on fire or anything, but I'm sure he'll slot in nicely to Genji for whatever roles they need to fill. Yeah, I'm. I'm just curious to see like the existing Kusta dynamic and whether Exist is going to take over calling now or if Kusta is still going to do it. Obviously, they when claimed you have- on the Flashpoint Q and A thing, and this is technically before these players were announced, but in theory, they knew who they were. Like Ben Tet, assuming like these were the players the whole time, and they weren't ever trying to get those fucking hundred thieves players or whatever, like the rumor said. He claimed that like Kusta was going to be the IGL, apparently. Yeah, I, mean, I could see some angle where they just got where they just got exist to play like that support role, fill role that like you know he did for Phase One. So obviously not, it's not the same level, but you know I'm sure maybe they just saw that and they're like, yeah, this might be like a good piece just for us if they are planning on keeping Kusta calling though this I what, reminds, what this reminds me of is when Kerrigan <laughs> went to to Envy and then he left after I think one or two tournaments that he was standing in for. Uh so Nifty was still in game leading. So this seems like if Kusta's gonna keep in game leading, he could maybe get a little bit of experience from from Exist also secondary calling or something like that. Problem is, though, I think this movie's fucking whack. Like, first of all, the idea you wait until the very end to announce it like this, like, mate, every single speculation was better than the players you put in. That's a bad (laughs) slap. And then consider, not only is Gen G a massive esports org with, like, a lot of money and a lot of money invested elsewhere, but also... Of all the teams in Flashpoint, this is one of the ones that has the pieces already if they put other good players in there. It'd be instantly really good. Like, the idea, they, they like, on paper, they should have just won Flashpoint 1. They should, for this one, yeah. those, like, 
I'm, I'm still not 100% sold on Kuster, but even so, he's played pretty well this year. And then Automatic and Benzel, like they're already good players. Like those three right there, you, you're already, that's not even a rebuild. You're just retooling it to try and make it better. So it's so underwhelming, the actual results they've gotten out of this team this year. I just find, like it's one of those ones where it's like, you get by because people eventually accept the level you're at, but I never do that. I look at what the expectation should be for who your players are, your core pieces, and then what your org is. Like that's why I rag on envy the most because it's like what if you've done the absolute minimum possible, as far as I can tell. Don't worry, I know the feeling. Yeah, <laughs> I I think this sadly sets up Gen G for a last place finish at, at Flashpoint. Actually, that's that's my hot take on it. I think this is like one of the worst roster moves I've seen. Like for an incoming Flashpoint team, I like. I, I don't even know. Like I like Harry and Heap to Dignitas more than this. In all honesty, like there's maybe a world where they're actually like up and coming yeah. players and they've scouted. Yeah. Them. you know, like nobody <laughs> scouted exist. Have they? They've just gone. Did have a lot of trophies years ago. So yeah, there's. Right, right. We'll just pray well, that works then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Alex, are you rating this as worse than Legia from coach to an active player on Envy? Honestly. The fact that they got Thomas also balances it exactly, for me. Yeah. yeah so so some young star fragger power, like that makes it worthwhile. But with existent Kriaz, I just don't have that same feeling at all. Like I think this would have even been better if instead of exist, it were uh six sixy. Sixy actually. But I yep. I actually talked to him recently and he said he didn't have a passport. So yep. that it just wasn't an option here for, for they, him. They did ask him to travel and he he just couldn't, yeah. Yeah. So I I th I know that couldn't have worked for him, but it's a shame because I think if they got like Sixy and Kriaz, at least they got some young fraggers, right? It, it, like that would have looked better than this exist move, where it's just like, like now I, now I'm wondering like is exist calling or is he if he's just playing like why why are you bringing him to just play right? Like, and neither just... of those are too exciting. I'm like, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan of either of those moves. Uh, like I I like. Hook, hooksy and refresh more like for sure like easily actually so this is just that's just kind of a letdown for me but actually one thing that's not a letdown uh for the finish scene is dodo and saw to havu actually i actually rate this uh, ents, really you mean oh ants 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 sorry from havu from havu <laughs> yes yes so dodo dodo and saw to ants i i actually rate this move really highly i think this is huge win so saw was the igl of havu for those who did not know and he made that team look really respectable at times and he's going to be slotting in as the coach so they were they had twista before but he got banned for like near almost two years or something 18 years so of course they just move him to analyst and then they are now using dodo for aerial and now they have a real coach. So, uh, any any thoughts on this this move from Ents here? The problem with this lineup is still just like it's still just such an unknown of Sunny is like an IGL, not so much an unknown, but like I still don't see like a huge amount of upside in this. Um, and I don't really see where else the calling is going to come from in this team, and or just from Finland in general. So that's kind of the one area I really see things potentially still holding this team back because it seems like without a solid IGL, Sergey hasn't really been able to play well. Um, Sonny's been kind of middling. I haven't really seen Yompi too much. Um, I know he's been kind of in and out. So, so I like the lineup itself. I think if it were to pan out and they were to find their groove with like calling and playing as a team, it could, you know, these players could jump back up and they could have some decent results. But I also see a world in which they still kind of struggle to find that. 
I think yeah, the skills in this team are pretty legit. Like, I wasn't actually that big a fan of the Dodo guy in Saul. Like, I thought, like, for example, uh, Sloy was, like, a better yeah. player. Like, the Zori guy, I know the stats were good, but, like, mate, he's another one of those people where it's like, he's a tier two opera. He'll just get his lunch fucking eaten if he goes against anyone at tier one. So you don't really want that player. And you've got Alu. But that's the problem I have with this team is, like, I actually like the pickup as the coach because, like you say, like, if you watch Flashpoint 1, that guy did fucking work that IGL. Like, they even could have come second. They were in position to, like, beat MIBR in one of those teams. They were like, a really solid team. Yeah, like, they- I could tell from watching them and prepping for them, like, they, I could see, like, what they were doing. I could say they had solid plans. Like, everything they were doing made sense. I was, like, even playing them or just watching them play, like, after shredding them, like, it didn't really surprise me that much that they were doing so well in Flashpoint. Like, the right. only part they would break down in, basically, is what you'd expect. Like, they didn't have the experience to win the big clutches. And then when they were in the matches, like, against MIBR and, like, the upper bracket semis or whatever, like, obviously, they shit their pants a bit, didn't they? Like, got a bit scared because they played teams like that. But when you played the other teams, they were straight fire. They were really good. So, I like the idea of bringing him in because, as you say, like, Sergey just, mate, the second that fucking uh, Alexi B left that team, Sergey was never a star <laughs> player again. It's actually, it's actually fucking shocking. Like, again, this is one of those ones where, like, if Alu and fucking the rest of them are listening, like, you're on the Nico train, mate. You don't know what your IGL did to this day because if he wasn't that good, how are y'all worse without him? Like, that doesn't even make sense. I mean, I've told this story on By the Numbers, but I'll say it again. Who gives a fuck? It's not a mate of man. It's not, it's not privileged info, right? I actually heard that one of the reasons they didn't pick Alexi B up to face Clan, aside from the fact that Nico wouldn't know a fucking IGL if it bonked him over the head with a fucking dustbin, Kim, <laughs> is the fact that apparently Alu just fucking like a little rat just told him, like, yeah, don't get the Alexi B guy. He's not that good. So they were like, oh, we pass. We pass on this one. And then, as you see, he takes way worse players than OG and they're better than you now. So like... To me, I, I don't think that Ents really understand the tactical side of the game. I don't think, unfortunately, you'll ever see that like awesome shit that they were doing in 2018 ever again. 2019, certainly. So in my opinion, it's okay because he loaded the team with skill now. Like Actually, Dota was supposed to be one of the better aimers on the Saw team, so uh, Havu team. So you've got the skills, just, just make it work. Just make some functional, basic shit that you can do and then hopefully have this guy prep for the opponents. And the firepower is there, like... I think the Yampi guy is, is a banger. It's just he needs more experience, you know. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know much about either of them to be honest. But based off what you guys are seeing, is saying I wouldn't be surprised to see them do a little bit better during this online era, while the coach can actually be calming and helping the team out. Uh, my concern would be when we return to LAN and the coach can't be talking the entire time. Where is this team going to go? Because I don't trust Sunny to be able to maintain that same sort of right. communication and leadership as as the coach. I, I kind of agree with Thorne's angle here that just if if Alu and I mean anyone else on this on this end team is kind of too in their own head or just too full of themselves and that they don't take Saw's advice to the level that they should. Like Saw could literally just micromanage this team and I think they would he would play this shit like an RTS and just micro everybody in the right positions, right time. And they would throw the right nades for each other. Everything would look super fluid. And their map pool would be pretty damn good. Because Havu's map pool, if I don't, if I remember correctly, had like five really strong maps. So this is this is a really strong move for them. And in the online era, could be exciting. But like you say, I, I once it moves back to them being unable to use Saw's comms live, I don't know who's going to be taking that up unless they just iron everything out, unless they develop all those protocols now. I think this type of IGLing has like a hard cap, but it can work where like maybe like Saw is kind of like implementing like the basic system and like the basic fundamentals of the team and like, you know, kind of like the basic structure and all that. And then Sunny is, you know, able to call like just kind of based off of that. So it's not calling from like his feel and his system, but it still can work to like some degree and it still can 
give you good results. It's just not going to ever be, you know, top tier IGL status stuff, type stuff. I just don't understand if they're going to have him be that structured, then why did you get rid of Alexi B in the first place? Because that's exactly what he was bringing to the team for you. Like, <laughs> so oh, yeah. And X7. Like, like, what that team told us with the players they kicked out and the players they recruited is like, we have no understanding of anything except like some HLTV forum ranking of skill. <laughs> like, the idea you keep Ariel over both of those, but like, what are you doing? Like, do you not understand anything that set your team up to win the last year? Because you weren't shooting people in the head and winning those rounds. You were fucking being better them as a fundamental counter-strike and they've lost all that as far as I can tell that just gone the second those guys that went out the fucking door. It seems like it seems like that mentality where like Ariel had that one really good event at Blast uh, in 2019 and so like all the players around him are like see see what this guy can do like when he's on him and like we have like the right environment and stuff you know we have like the right system for him to play in this guy's gonna be like that like every single event that, I will that's, say that's, though, like, they believe one thing that, unfortunately, this is where, by the way, I know that some of the other people, I'll, I'll exclude you guys from this for the moment, but obviously I'd definitely say it was you if I was on another fucking podcast. Right? One of the areas <laughs> where you know the people who are in the industry, but they're only in the industry. They're not in the, like, the, the like fucking, the inner sanctum of the Illuminati where they can, like, know all the fucking inside info and gossip and stuff. Because one of the ways you know, by the way, is 99% of it you can't say so the people who are like super eager to tell you every little tidbit, that's because that's the one tidbit that came across their desk. That's fucking like breaking news to them. Half the shit, it's so annoying. Like you want to say like, well, the reason this team's doing bad is because this guy's an absolute wanker who's roof that we can't, you have to go, well, I think tactically, you know, he's an odd man out. He's not quite fitting into that. You have to do some fucking mad euphemisms. <laughs> so what people don't know, right, about Ents is this. Ents, look where they were a few years ago as an org. They're not a big esports organization. They're just a Finnish org that was actually just getting sponsors the last few years. Like they had fuck all. So if if sadly Alexi B and what he was able to do with that team boosted them way beyond where their expectations should be as an org. So as a result, because they were like number two, number three in the world, people rag on this team like it was FaZe Clan when they fail. Like, homie, if you knew how much salary these guys get paid, where they are right now is fine. It's actually totally appropriate. Like, they were actually, if anything, a team I would have used in the past to show the other teams, like the MIBRs in the world, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, if you knew what these guys get paid, what their orgs like, and like, like, put it this way, they're not getting all the first-class flights everywhere. It's like, it's ridiculous some of the level that these people are on. So if, if people, like, can temper the expectations down again, in my opinion, the cool angle for Ents has become like a nice Dark Horse team. Like, if you play your game, you've got a couple of maps you're good on, then, then it can be fun. If we get into that realm, I don't expect it's reasonable to think they're ever going to be like I don't, a hardcore top 10 team. That's, that's yeah, probably too I, much. I don't think they're ever going to be like like a top five elite team again, but I could see them being, you know, towards the upper tier two, top tier one area of um of the scene, you know, able to take maps off the best teams and, you know, actually challenge them. It's kind of like we're... Out there, by the way, Aloe is fucking pretty old in the game now. He's played a long time in Counter-Strike. So... I don't blame people like that either if the motivation starts to win. Like, you know, these aren't the biggest matches in the world for you if you are low. Something that's a little bit more intangible is also, like, part of that rise that they had. Like, they were making some really good content in terms of behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, I'm surprised we don't see more orgs doing stuff like that. It's sort of ridiculous, honestly. Like, the amount of budget that some of these orgs have and they're not creating content to actually boost their players and, and make those make their players be able to have their own brand image is just nuts. Yeah. All right. I think that brings us to the final segment, which will be the the question of the week. So let's. Uh, oh, it's better than the oh, other one. That's. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's better than the other one. It's better. Th it's looser. It's better. Um, yeah. So is CT side or T side more team oriented? Uh, 
I want, I want to oh, hear yeah. Thorin's thoughts okay, first. Okay, yeah. yeah. Here's the thing. I think Martel could be unique, so someone else can go first if you want. I'll go first if you want. It's up to you. I'll go first. I was going to say... I was going to say then, I think T-Side is more like... So T-Side is more team-oriented, but I feel like one person, like the IGL, can have a lot more control over like how the entire T-Half is going and like their, their T-Side in general. I think one person can control that a lot more and have a lot more say and over overall structure in terms of what everyone is doing and like kind of the way the game's flowing and all that. So I think one person can have a lot more say in terms of the T side, but obviously it's more team oriented like inside the game. You know, you're obviously more kind of playing together, executing together. Where a CT side is like kind of the opposite. I feel like while everyone's playing more individually, um, it requires almost more of a team effort in some ways individually to make sure that everyone is like on the same page across the map. To make sure that everyone is like, you know, what the guys doing at B makes sense of what the guys doing at A. It's like almost like a different team game of sorts. And so a lot of times, like unless it's like certain IGLs, I think they don't have as much say or as much control overall in terms of the, the, their CT sides and what's happening. So it feels like it feels like their teams they team oriented to me to me in different ways. If I had to choose, I would obviously T side is like more team oriented, like inside the game. But in terms of setting things up outside of the game, I would actually think I would actually say CT side at times can be more team oriented. Yeah, I think if you asked me this question like two or three years ago, I would have said T side. But just with the way the game's evolved in the meta that teams currently run and the way teams have to get aggressive and push back on CT, I think it's become a little bit more team oriented on CT side because on T you're gonna have the in-game leader controlling a lot of those sort of uh, like micro micro adjustments and pushes. Whereas on CT, like now you need to be communicating with your with your teammate anchor. You need to push certain positions. You also need to have those reads that are that you're retaking different spots on the map and actually pushing for those. And like if you don't have the right team dynamics to to push off and get information, then you're just gonna get slaughtered on CT side nowadays. Yeah, basically, I mean, it looks like we're all going to be in agreement. I would pick CT side because the thing is, even though on T side, like you can obviously push it to the limits that like, you could have a lot of uh, aspects. Like like the dream basically is what like people like Existence used to try to do where they had like the ultimate flow chart of every possible scenario. Here's what this person does, here's what they do. And so if, if you want to be a chess master, you think that that's the approach. But like not very many teams do that nowadays in Counter-Strike. It's not really the way you play the game because it's all reactive most of the time now. So I would say actually CT side is because I would say in the sense of like team play is CT side. Like even I'm mean, face clan showed you, you can have the best fraggers in the world. It doesn't matter. Like you still might not be a great CT team. And I would say this, if you think historically, every single truly great team is fucking amazing on the CT side. And that has now to do with like the IG, like we're saying here, because for me, CT side, it's like, it's almost like you're tapping into the same frequency as the people who play your site. Because it, there's so many scenarios, you can't do it by ingredients, like the recipe of how to play a T-side. Like, I'm going to go here and I'm going to... No, the idea is it's it's so dynamic what can happen. Like, even when they attack the site in a certain way, obviously then the individual players take over. So maybe a guy pushes a smoke or he comes behind. Like, in that scenario, you can't come that. That's where NA teams have always fallen down. When I hear the NA comms on CT side, they never shut the fuck up. If you listen to Nordic teams on CT side, they're not talking because they're leaving room. Like they trust, for example, like if Crimson Olaf played the same site in Fnatic, they just trust that he and like I know how like if I'm Olaf Meister, I know when to be aggressive because I know when Crimson is going to play passively. And I know that like if he sees me get pushed off this area, he's going to take like a crossfire to as they come rushing after me around the corner on Inferno, then I, he shoots him in the back. Like that's like experience 
playing time. I'd like I'd say almost vibing. It's like you're on the same, you're vibing in Simex. I also think personally, if you ever listen to comms and all the rotations on CT side are done by the comms, that's not a very good team. Like a rotation, the guy who is the rotator should almost be like a mini IGL and he chooses when he does it. And sometimes he might not even announce it. He just does it off feel. Like he gambles over when he thinks like they're not, they're, they're faking the site and he's ready to go. Like if you do all that off comms, like the IGL actually, that's why when NBK kept saying in Vitality that he was the CT side caller, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? What are you, that, you just invented a role for yourself and then gave yourself top marks in it. Like if you're in the B bomb site and I'm in the A bomb site, you fucking call one thing for me. I'll slap your cheeks, mate. You can't see my screen. How would you possibly know what I'm doing? Like that's, a, that's that would only make sense if you were the IG, if you were like the coach when you used to be able to talk in the past, you could see all the screens, you know? So to me, CT side is like, it's like the essence of team play because essentially, Essentially, team play is sort of like unspoken communication, in my opinion. It's how you just work together. And it's the reason why some teams from day one of the roster are just straight fire immediately. And why some teams, maybe this is ends, just struggle for months to get anywhere close to it. Because those players probably just don't like their... Like I'd imagine like Sergey and Allo or something are just like completely on totally other ends of the spectrum. They don't have overlap at all, you know. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll actually bring it all the way back and this is kind of a kind of like a i'm the way i'm thinking about it is like the meme i've been seeing on like esoteric side twitter where it's like the 80 iq person is like it's t side because you go together and then right. like the it's midwit right. the mid the midwit take is like well ct side because uh the way they play off of each other in the bomb sites is very yeah. team oriented but then i think you go above that and it's like it, ha it it actually literally just has to be almost objectively T-sided because if there's no team orientation at all on T-side, if one person runs out at a time, the CT's <laughs> position is simply just better. So they're going to just kill them because they have a, a good angle or something I'll like that. I'll give you a counter. So <laughs> Go on, finish your point. I'll give you a counter. Okay. And then, and then so I, I think that T-side... I, I, I respect all the points about CT side, and I think that at the highest level of play, what needs to be developed most is usually a CT, -sided, a CT side, but I think that at Counter-Strike's essence, it, the T side inherently has to be more team-oriented, or, or else you simply won't breach any bomb sites ever, because if you're just going in one by one against ops on CT side, you will literally never win the game ever. You have to play with numbers on T side, or you have liter or no chance of winning ever. But here would be the counter, which is think of all the teams, Nico's Fierce Clans would be a good example, right? That still get loads of T rounds. Like that can't just be that you're faster uh, twitch aim muscle movement, you shoot me in the head. Like some of that is because there are simple fundamentals in Counter-Strike that just work all the time. The analogy I'd give you is basketball. If you can run a basic pick and roll, or you can do like a fucking guy can just block for you, you can open a shot for your star every single game. There's a reason why you can't shut people down in the NBA because like the basic concepts just work. They iterate over it. So in Counter-Strike, that's the trade frag. That's like flash someone in. That's like push one back area to cause some pressure. So then one person at the front of the defense pulls back and then you've weakened, you spread them out. Whereas on CT side, think about defense in the NBA. That's all based on feel again. It's like, right, I've got to sort of sense where my other guy is, my help defense. I've got to push them towards like, like I think it's a similar scenario. So I'm not, I'm not saying we're right or wrong, by the way. It's not <laughs> a fucking hypothetical question. Yes, yes. I, I think that people overrate basically how much goes into the T side, except if you're the absolute best teams. Because yeah. the absolute best team, like, T side is like a Pareto distribution, the top tw the top 20% are like 80% of the fucking strategy in the entire game. And everyone else is just some shit copy of it, you know. Because there's another thing, mate. 
You can also fucking fax someone else's T-strat and make it work like 60% on your side. Try doing that with anyone's CT side, mate. You go and you put a player in where Rain played on Mirage, like watching that fucking ramp, and just tell him, oh, just watch their demos and just copy what he does. Like, mate, he's going to get torn up. I feel like, it's going to be the fresh fish in there, prison, mate. There was this. There was a Sean Gares video about how he broke down how Rain played ramp, and I was like... Dude, I don't think I don't think anyone can do that. I don't think I didn't learn it. I literally like I mean I appreciate the breakdown from Sean, but at the same time I'm like I'm like what the fuck did I learn? Like just hold it from this off angle and headshot everybody. Like I can't do that. That doesn't work for me. So yeah, I, I think the I think the question is is purposely loose though. It's, it's supposed to have like yeah, yeah. an open very open ended side to this. So I don't think there's a wrong answer or a right answer for for any. It doesn't matter. I mean. It's just it's, it's just, just a philosophical discussion. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I, I want to post something. Is it? Do you guys think the dynamic would swap depending on the map? Like, I would say Nuke is probably a little bit more T side team oriented than CT because just based on the way you have to play certain positions. I mean, I also think again, map, map dynamics will matter. Like, for example, if it's on a map like Nuke, I mean, I don't know if Nuke's the best example for that, but like certain maps, for example, the ones that you can just plant the bomb all the time on, well, that just inverts the dynamic at that point in time, doesn't it? Like, you spend yeah. half the game just defending against retakes. So I guess it'd depend on the map. Like, I'll give yeah, you an example. I think that's, that's I think a good point. If I had to pick one of the best maps where CT side is like super important, I would say like overpass. Mate, that's all yeah. about like the feel of the guys pushing forwards and how do we like how do we like create a pressure vacuum so they think we're covering this site but we're not like that's all like fucking reads and the team play aspect and there's no way you can be common or practicing all that like all that shit Fur used to do in MIB nobody's practicing that if they if people actually think that they sat down and like plotted that out you're out of your mind like that's one of those things where like my boy Launders I always used to make fun of him because he would always take everything that pros did and he really thought that they like calculated it all in their brain and so he'd be saying like oh it's genius <laughs> the way like, he knew to rotate off and do this and like if you'd have been inside first brain it's just he's like that fucking meme it's like, <laughs> like no you can't just be running in there all the time pressing W shooting them in the head and he's like ha 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 W goes like that's the fucking meme like, he wasn't putting any of that shit was he he's just, he was just a genius yeah, they just have they just have like these weird internal clocks that are just perfect. Honestly, it's it's so ridiculous. Do that with art is like the new one in it. Like, oh, how has he revolutionized the game? It's like, mate, has he though? Like, <laughs> just like you pick him up and you drop him into fucking ends. He'll just keep doing the same shit. And it'll just work terribly. And he'll just feed him like a motherfucker, won't he? But his team will just get mad at him and they'll leave, they'll like dump him no matter what. <laughs> All right, I think that's uh, I think that's gonna be it. All right, so let's uh, let's get into the plugs. All right, Thorne, do you have anything you wanna you wanna plug here? Not really. I mean, everyone who watches this is subscribed to my YouTube channel anyway, so whatever. <laughs> more than likely, more than likely. <laughs> yep, yeah. Charlotte. Okay. Uh, mix. Cloud nine. Yep. yep wanna... Cloud nine. That's about it. Same old. Okay. All right. Nope. They're actually good now, in theory. <laughs> <laughs> Thank uh... you. <laughs> The only thing I'd plug is I probably have like a feature coming out about the state of North America at the moment with oh, an info cool. from Shakezula and Vanity in it. Yeah, that's about That'll it. That'll be good. All right, cool. Look, be on the lookout for that. I, okay, the plugs are so short. Pernogo, you have anything you want to you wanna plug over there? Mm, I would just say check out my YouTube channel because I just dropped an interview with Note earlier today. That was recorded oh, yeah. yesterday. I have another one coming up with Mahone. Whenever his organization gets off their ass and sends a tweet, but you know, <laughs> just waiting on that. And then Here's otherwise, uh, yeah, just uh, check me out, dude. I don't have an Instagram yet, but when I do, I'll say check me out on Instagram. Sweet. Uh, okay, I'll just plug my Instagram then because I've never plugged it. And then also just... Uh, 
support. By the way, if, we, if we're just talking about shit sure. loosely like that, here's sure. one thing that is so fraudulent, and none of your friends even called you out on it, right? So we know when they did that Flashpoint talent lineup, right? And everyone was laughing <laughs> at your picture. Oh, my God. Yeah. They didn't call out. Oh, are you just friends with the editor or something? Why is he giving you like about a foot and a half of fucking height? <laughs> you, were just, you were taller than like Anders or something. Get Wait, no, I wasn't. I was short. I was shorter. No, 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 you were definitely a bit taller. You, you got pushed off that, mate. Okay, wait, no, no, no. Oh, oh, okay. Well, okay, I'll say this. Okay, I'm like the same height as Anders in this one, I, I think. Like, Potter is still actually, Potter and Bardolph are still the tallest, which is okay. accurate. And then like, Semler and you are kind of like the same height in the second tall. This way, that is not a police lineup photo. I'm telling that right now. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, okay, of course, of course. That's basically the 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 esports celebrity version of you know when people on Twitter pay some like sick comic style artist to do a, a a profile picture of them for Twitter, and if they're ever someone who's fat, magically it's just shaved thirty pounds off the person's face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, well, that's not even you. It's like, <laughs> who you wish you were. It's like, come on, man. I remember, Definitely. like, the, the makeup that ESL used to do for, like, the photos of, like, cologne and stuff? Oh, they used <laughs> to Photoshop the photo of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those are crazy. Holy shit. If you remember back to the League of Legends stuff with Bjergsen's photos, he always looked like an alien from another planet, so that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this about my photo. I submitted a photo from, like, when I was in college. Because I was like, I don't even know what to put. So I didn't I didn't have a headshot that I liked, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to use this one. So that's, that's why mine looks the way it does. So <laughs> that's... That's me doing a shout out for myself, I guess. Were you like a foot taller in college or something? Dude, they okay. The the artist doesn't know our heights or anything like that. Okay, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't he's just looking at headshots, guys. Okay, they're just lining them up. I'm surprised he actually got it as as close as he did. He didn't like make the heights relative to each other, but he did. He did he actually to make them look fairly similarly shaped. Yeah, they actually like the taller people in this are taller. Like Bardolf, the only thing is that similar is the same height as Bardolf in this, which is not. I mean, Bardolf's the tallest person probably yeah, in the scene. I think so. Yeah. All right. All right. I think that's gonna be it. <sighs> Episode six has reached its conclusion. Thanks.